0: Our world is changing rapidly. Many crucial systems we depend upon are collapsing. And the most important system that is failing is the food supply. Mr. President, this council is more than aware of the multiple challenges and threats the world is facing today. But the threat of famine, people starving slowly to death, must be a red line. These food prices are going to keep going up and up, and they're going to keep
1: feeding excuse after excuse, narrative after narrative. Yeah. You're going to have to get off that treadmill and start getting more autonomous with your own food growing.
2: You want to make sure that you can eat, because frankly, food is the biggest issue as we are going through these transitions.
0: But amidst the chaos, there is a path to resilience. Marjorie Wildcraft is the female leader of the survival and preparedness movement. Marjorie has taught millions of people how to grow an abundance of food in a grid down situation even if you have no experience, are older, or out of shape.
3: I've spent decades finding the fastest, easiest, and funnest ways for the average person to be able to grow a lot of food. I've created a step-by-step process that's so simple that even kids to elders have been using it in order to grow a lot of their own food. And you can too, even if you have no experience, you're older or you're out of shape
1: many people, believe it or not, are still intimidated about the idea of starting their own
2: garden. Yeah,
0: no, it was a joke. We, yeah. we figured that the reason why she named the, uh, uh, yeah, so easy that even people who are out of shape and uh, lazy <laughs> and eat Doritos can do it, uh, <laughs> that, that she was, that was targeting me yes. uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. And so I had to prove, I had to prove her wrong, so. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. So this is, this is your number two. And you are gardening, my friend. Marjorie's free webinar provides you with the tools and knowledge to thrive in difficult times. You'll learn Marjorie's simple three-part system for quickly producing lots of vegetables, eggs, meat, and much more.
3: The webinar is about empowerment, enjoyment, and becoming self-sufficient. You'll walk away with an action plan that you can implement immediately, regardless of where you live or what time of year it is.
4: I used to be a hopeless gardener, but thanks to Marjorie, I'm growing food, and I'm really happy my family has more food security.
3: Marjorie's webinar gave me
5: the confidence to raise and process my own meat. Food
6: production, and Marjorie, I want to thank you for the, the free webinar that you put out there at that website. I've already had uh, you know massive response from people that love your information and how you, you express the joy of learning how to grow food also, and in a small amount of space when it really counts. So thank you for all that you do, Marjorie.
0: The crisis has already started. Don't wait or it will be too late. Take control of your destiny and learn to grow food with Marjorie Wildcraft. Go to www.dangerousoffgrid.com. Growing your own food is like printing your own money. Get started today. Go to www.dangerousoffgrid.com. Our institutions have become corrupt. Unconstitutional
4: agencies are infringing on your rights. What will it take for you to open your eyes to the tyranny at hand? You are an American, born with unalienable rights. Yet those rights are
0: being trampled every day by unelected busybodies. Your liberty was secured by strong men and women of yesterday. Are you willing to let it slip away? You're listening to the Dangerous Info Podcast with Jesse James
3: jesse james come on
5: jesse.
0: jesse james
2: i'm ready right now time is a waste it waste it waste it.
4: morning of September 11th, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world, overpowering the passengers' commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot-descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the Budget Analyst Office, where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts. ...and those who harbor them." And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. "...that a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that." But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9/11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victims' family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible. Although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because in our government, at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes in the buildings, except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record-keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her, and her, and him. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about it has to be seen to move violently forward. and They took the babies out of incubators. And... Mobile production facilities. And... The rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit paranoid behater and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never, ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because ignorance is strength.
7: The world is a vampire.
5: It is September 11th, 2023. It's been 22 years, everybody. Welcome to the spiritual battle of our lives. Tonight's show sponsor, as you heard in the beginning, right there, is DangerousOffGrid.com. It's time to harden your skills, everybody, while you still have the means to do so. Welcome to the Dangerous Info Podcast, everybody. We have a big show for you tonight. Tonight's episode is number 111, Syab du Jour, a 9-11 story featuring Professor Robin McCutcheon. It's gonna be a good one outcast. And right now I'd like to thank our current monthly subscribe star shout out people. These are the ones that help promote the show and help fund the show on a monthly basis. Fire Doug, Ryan Mansfield Show, Carmen Rosario, Jill Burke, Chad Geyer, Mark Javier, Cheryl E., Manny Espejo, Biffer Mac, Hawk, Heidi Human, Dwayne and Teresa Lozowski, Michelle Yerkes, and Pastor Eric King. And I want to say a big thank you to the live stream viewers and all the podcast listeners out there tonight. Outcast, how you doing, brother?
1: I'm blessed in the battle.
5: That is right. You are blessed in the battle and you're back in the saddle, brother. I dig it. <laughs> Hey, I want to give a big shout-out right now. We have a bunch of people over there watching on Pilled Foxhole, uh, The Rumble, The Twitch, uh, DLive, Twitter, and uh, Clout Hub. So what's going on, everybody? Glad you're here. Uh, we have a big show tonight. If you guys have anything you want to email the show and contact us, please do that. Dangerous Info Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Um, normally at this time we read the iTunes reviews and ratings. This week we don't have any of those if you guys want to get into one, uh, please do that. And uh, we're going to read your uh, uh, rating or review next week if you guys do that this week. So um, also want to make sure you guys focus to our brand new Instagram page. It is Dangerous Info Podcast on Instagram. Please check that out. <clears throat> That's where we are the most active, all right? Over on Instagram. So uh, other than this show, but uh, also don't forget us about, uh, you know, we're over on Gab and uh, Telegram and Truth, so check all those out, Jesse James or Dangerous Info Podcast on those other uh, areas. So you know what, Outcast, I'm going to be checking the Super Chats and the Rumble Rants and the Gold Pills later, so when everybody gets in here and, and we get all cozy and comfy and we get into this big topic tonight of 9-11 with uh, Professor Robin McCutcheon, I tell you what, <clears throat> a lot of people today are are really looking back, Outcast. They're, they're, they're they're thinking back With this new knowledge that they've found over the years, um, we need a whole lot of prayer. And uh, I think at this time, brother, before we even get started right off the bat, I want to ask you for a a protection prayer uh, to give over the show, because we're going to be hitting a lot of things tonight. And um, I believe that, you know, we're not going to be able to get through all this stuff without some protection out there. So brother outcast, say hi to everybody and deliver with your uh,
1: prayer. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly again as your servants. Have your way in us, Lord. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for for all that you've done for us, every answered prayer one after another, Lord. It's like you're answering prayer in real time lately. We know that the battle between light and dark is heating up because we can feel your involvement in our lives, Lord. Lord, please um, meet us. Well, I don't even have to say please. You always meet us in our needs, wherever we're at, all of us listening. You meet us right where we're at. You... Um, you answer prayers for the sick and afflicted. You answer prayers for the lonely and the, and the depressed. You answer prayers for anyone who seeks you and calls out to you. You don't impose yourself, but you just, you're there when we call on you. We take your yoke upon us and we thank you because as the as the driver of the yoke, you lead us onto the straight and narrow path, Lord, which leads us uh, to you. You are the lamp at our feet on that path as well. Lord, we cannot thank you enough for what you've done for us answering prayers regarding my own family and other people out there listening and their family and their friends. Um, it's uh, it's remarkable what you what you do, um, Lord. We um, we're asking for your anointing of this program. Uh, we are so grateful to have our friend uh, Doctor Robin McCutcheon on the show with us tonight, Lord. I'm thankful for her spirit and her desire um, to to reveal truth at all costs. To to never cease being the the light on the hill to show people the truth so they can wake up out of their stupor, Lord. And we um, we are so grateful for her. Lord, put your hedge of protection around us. Lord, put a fortress around us. We know the enemy seeks to, to stop truth. It hates truth. It hates knowledge. It hates wisdom. It wants us stupid, alone, and in the dark, Lord. But through this show, you've allowed us to unite with other people around the world to come together in the spirit of truth, in the spirit of knowledge, in the spirit of discernment. And 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 we couldn't thank you more for that. So put your hedge of protection around us. Uh, may no weapon formed against us prosper. Uh, may you stop audio glitches and 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 sound problems, and just let this episode shine through so your children can hear the truth, because the enemy seeks to keep us blind. Lord, um, be with us uh, in every regard, and be with anyone out there who's suffering in any way. There's people suffering with health issues and and depression, and anxiety, and worry and fear just take that away from them, Lord. May they call out to you and may you answer. And may they know that you are real and that you are active in their lives. Lord, we thank you for your gift of your only son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the way in a world that, make, that keeps us lost. He was uh, the truth in a world that despises truth. And he is life in a world that hates life and loves death. And then he came he preached, He healed, He casted out demons, and then He died a sinner, a, 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 the, the sinner's death on a, on a hill that He created, on a rock that He created, Lord. His blood flowed down, it covered us, and it set us free from the bondage of sin and reconciled us with you, and we cannot thank you enough for that, Lord. So bless this episode, bless everything that takes place in it, um, anoint all three of us, and may um, amazing revelations come through for our listeners, and may we be united in the love of truth and the love of you. In Jesus Christ's holy name, I pray these things, amen
5: amen brother thank you <clears throat> yes sir good one and you you guys remember we are battling against deep state depopulationists and covid tyrants all right and uh we have a big a, a big tail outcast that i want to get to right away because you've been going through a lot of things in the last few days uh with your brother and i mentioned a uh, biffer Mac earlier in the shout outs and uh, he's your brother um mm-hmm. you know we let everybody know here uh on our gilded private chat room um uh, what was going on i had a lot of stuff out there trying to inform people why don't you tell us what happened to your brother the other day
1: so i'm gonna just uh, i'll try to do it quick and i'm gonna tell you all the the all the details because there's a lot of uh, really interesting little things in the details of this story but on thursday morning my brother was uh was doing a set of uh, pull-ups he's he's always been a, kind of a workout fitness guy he's always made time for the gym and he was doing a new set of uh pull-ups uh, a series of pull-ups and anyways he he came down on his feet and he immediately felt a pop in his chest and a pain that went up uh into his neck and into his jaw mm. he thought about persevering and did the workout to see if he could make it go away which good thing he didn't uh, and he came to his senses and, and called um, another show supporter, Cheryl E., who's always listed every week. He's, she's a good friend and a, and a regular listener and a supporter. He called Cheryl. They worked together. And he said, he said, hey, I think I need you to take me to the hospital. So they went to St. Joe's uh, emergency room in Pontiac. And hmm. um, he was, you know, cogent and alert and awake. But yeah. he was in a lot of pain. Now, my brother, I got just for the fun of it, I got to tell you, Biffer Mac is funny. He uh, He's got a very high pain tolerance. He's been a bachelor on and off for years. And he just... He just plows through pain. Uh, one time, years ago, he had a—I th- think it was a shoulder surgery, maybe it was an elbow sh- surgery—I can't remember—but he had stitches all down his arm, and he shows up at camp. We went to this church camp up north Michigan called Spring Hill Camp, and uh, he shows up at camp with uh, in a uh, what do you call that—the uh, the, the hospital gown I think on. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes camping with with this in his arm in a sling. He's camping. He's on a, and at some point, One point, I remember he's on a zip line, hanging there with his arm in a, in a sling, going down a zip line. So this guy, he, he just he's got a high pain tolerance, but he was he was obviously in uh, a very high level of duress and pain. He sat in that emergency waiting room for uh, tw- over twenty four hours. I went out on Thursday afternoon uh, mm-hmm. to see him. And uh, my, my idea was, you know, if if they see that you're in here and you have advocates, maybe that'll help
2: somewhat, yeah. right? Well, b- before,
5: I, before you go on, I want to just in interject because I, I figured this was going to happen when you started telling me about this. Um, the staff, the overall, the medical industry is broken. Would you, I mean, that's what I learned- I saw-
1: I'm going to get to that. I it firsthand.
5: Yeah. So, okay, keep, keep going because this, this should really heat people up right here. I mean, I, I know it's so, nothing new, but what but, but you just yeah. went through, what he just went through, insane.
1: Yeah. So I get there uh, on Thursday afternoon and he had not been seen yet. And they did some screening and scanning, but they didn't really do the right test to, to diagnose what was wrong with him. And, um, and like I said, he's in obvious pain he's laying there and he's 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 in pain yeah and um but when i walked in the door it was standing room <clears> only <throat> in the er waiting room and there was no place to park in the er parking lot and there was a line that went out the door there was double doors um you know sliding doors that went out almost into the parking lot for people just to get to the front desk to to ask for information or get to their loved one and i was just like what is going on around here i mean it felt virtually i mean just apocalyptic and i was just like mm-hmm man, the what, system is broken.
5: What were you seeing as far as patients go in the emergency? What what kind of injuries or what was it? Were they just laying around like zombies or?
1: Yeah, just all walks of life. I mean, okay. just everybody, just, you know, they're sitting there and everybody's kind of dejected. But then when you go past the doors that they enter you in, then there's people on gurneys in the hallway awaiting a bed also to be seen, an official bed. Um, I'll get it, I'm will get. i going to get more detail into that in a second too, because this story goes into the next day. Okay. But anyways, so. So, um, you know, I, at one point I'm talking to one of the nurses and there and you get this kind of poker face, one word answer. Yes. No, I don't know. We're trying to get all the doctor, just really no, no emotion whatsoever. At one point I said to one of the girls, I'm like, so what's the next step Right, when you get a hold of the doctor, then you're going to get the proper test in order to find out what's actually wrong with him. She goes, hopefully we'll figure out what's wrong with him. And I look at her and I go, hopefully, isn't he in the, isn't he in the right place to find out if there's something wrong with what is actually specifically wrong with him? And they go, well, we ruled out his heart and we ruled out his lungs. I'm like okay well so then I start to second guess myself and I'm going well maybe he whatever they know he has something that's not life threatening and he can wait but you know you know none of the pain medication they're giving him were were helping so um you know different people Cheryl E was there uh, our pa- uh, my brother's pastor Dennis was there I was there I left I didn't know my w- I crisscrossed with my wife she shows up she's there she's a fighter she's trying to advocate for him and get him some mm-hmm. help yeah. nothing would help we just can't get we can't get a hold of the doctor we can't get a hold of the doctor Next thing you know, it's the next morning and he hasn't really officially been seen. So around, I don't know if it was 10 or so, they got the proper scan, CT scan, I think it was, and determined that he had a perforated or torn aorta. So he sat in, <clears throat> in this
5: ER for how many hours?
1: Over 24 hours. Over 24
5: hours, though. over 24 hours, you guys, with the ripped aorta in the emergency yeah. room.
1: Yep. So, so then I go, um, so then on Friday, I might get up and my wife goes, cancel your appointments. you got to get down there and be there for your brother. I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah. You make sense. It's making sense to me. So I went down and I, and I get ushered into this little room, like a, a waiting room. You go past the main doors that they have to escort you through to get to the back of the ER. Cause there's the wait, official waiting room. And then they put me in a secondary waiting room and I see pastor Dennis there. We get talking and I'm like, what are they, what are they doing? Like, yeah, we can't see them yet. I'm like, OK, so then some time goes by. We're talking and I go over and I sit, go up to the scale desk. I'm like, hey, listen, I've been here for I don't know how long. My brother is here and in, in, I'm just getting word from people outside the hospital that are texting me, telling me what's wrong with them. And I'm in this building with them and I can't see him. And she's like, don't worry, they're going to come get you. I'm like, All right. Thanks for the attitude, whatever. So I go back and I'm like, so then I, a little bit later I go back and I'm like, listen, I, I still haven't heard anything. They'll get to you. Don't worry, they'll come get you. This one, I think I tried three or four times and nothing. So finally I went out of the building because my phone wasn't working in there. They have some kind of like cell jammer thing. I go outside in the parking lot to get some take some messages and I have to re-enter the process. I go up to the desk. I'm like, listen, if I have a tone, this is not directed at you personally. I'm 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 freaking out here. My brother has been here for 24 hours. Um, and I think there's something seriously wrong with him. And they got me stuffed in a little room back here and I can't see him. And then they go, Okay, Bob, you take him back. And so then they escort me. All, here I go all over again to get escorted back in. And they start beeling it, taking me to my brother. And I see Pastor Dennis in that room. I'm like, come on, come on, come on with me. You got to come with me. So we grab him. We go down there. Cheryl E. was down there the whole time with him. And I'm thinking, why? Could, I mean, if, if my brother were to die, by the way, he was extremely close to death. If he were to mm, die, yeah. they they deprived me the last half an hour, 45 minutes to an hour of the visit time I could have had with him before he passed, right? Yeah. They had me sitting in a room, right? So we go down there and they're telling us that there's nobody in that hospital nor any other hospital in the state of Michigan that can operate on him in the, in the way that he needs to be operated. He's got to go to U of M medical and they're sending a helicopter. By the way, when I'm walking down that hallway, I see I see people on gurneys. There's somebody, I saw somebody that had, had soiled themselves and they were complaining that they had pooped themselves, right? I saw somebody say, you know, I heard them crying out there going, help me, help me. And this nurse goes over, she goes, you need to calm down. There's a lot of people that were here before you. OK, and I'm like, mm. this place is nuts. OK, so I get down to my brother and we're talking and and, and it's dire and we're, we, we're, we're gathering that it's dire, dire. They haven't said anything to us yet. And they're like, OK, the helicopter from U of M it will be here at uh, 1130. OK, 1130 comes. It'll be here at uh, 1145. OK, 1145 comes. And they go, oh, it'll be here in 12 minutes because that's how long it takes to get here from U of M, from Ann Arbor to Pontiac. I'm like, OK, next, thing you know, it's noon before the helicopter gets there. And then they say, you guys have got to go as we're walking down the hallway to leave this, the doctor, the main doctor grabs, he says, listen, I don't want to get your hopes up here. I want to give you the truth. I will not be surprised if your brother dies on the way to U of M. There's no way he should be alive at this point. It's it's a miracle he's made it this far.
5: Okay. So I have a question there then. Did, did you guys know it was this bad, this, uh, worrisome at this point, other than, I mean, w- w- well, what was your brother saying during this right here at this point when you saw well, he, him?
1: Like once, once again, he's alert. He's cogent. He's, uh, he's conversational pain level but at this point. Yeah. Well, they, they got his pain under control. Okay. Um, with some, I think some muscle relaxers cause morphine wasn't working, but, um, yeah, we're, at this point we're really realizing that he's, he's something, you know, this is serious. Yeah. But then when the doctor pulled us aside after we left the, his room and he's telling us, listen, I don't want you get, I, I don't want to give you guys any false hope here. I mean, I would. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he dies before he gets to U of M
5: which, right. yeah, oh. it's, that's not a long flight from Pontiac to Ann Arbor. So, okay.
1: No, no. I'm like, okay. All well, right. Okay. Here we go. So I'm like, I, I already <laughs> lost one brother in a, an emergency room where they mismanaged it and then hit it. That's a whole nother story. My, my, my other brother, Tim died at uh, McLaren in Pontiac. So my brother passed McLaren to go to St. Joe's to avoid McLaren. Yeah. Anyways, um, so so, uh, so then I go, I'm waiting, I go, I park my car right by the helicopter pad and I'm waiting and waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm going, this, is, did he die in there? Is he dead?
2: This I mean, that, why is
1: this taking so long? Yeah. This and is the after, they, after they, yeah, after they loaded him up. Out. Okay. Could you send no, me a video? No, no, no. You sent me a video they of the helicopters
5: us, coming in and, and the helicopter. Yeah. They in. kicked
1: us, they, they kicked us out of the, of the ER okay. and said that he's going to be flown out. So I move my car and park it right next to the helicopter pad and wait for him to show up. No, no blades spinning. The helicopter shut off and just sitting there in a way. And it felt like an attorney. Maybe it was 20 minutes, but it felt like forever. And I'm thinking, great. He's dead in there and they're working on him or something. And I'm, I'm here. I am sitting by the helicopter pad. But no, lo and behold, here he comes. I'm telling you, dude, I am not. Now, granted, it was safer on the helicopter because they could monitor him and everything, and it's probably a smoother ride. But I could have drove him to Ann Arbor two times in the time I waited for him to get right. Yeah. But but let's let's set that aside. If they would have tested it properly the night before, they could have orchestrated a, 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 an ambulance or a, a helicopter. That right, we we wouldn't yeah. be down to the wire like this. <clears> so, anyways, they come and put him in the helicopter, and you know I can see him, and then they take off, and we go to Ann Arbor. And he was extremely fortunate. I think this woman's name was uh, Dr. Hamilton. I think it was it was a Scottish name. I think it was Hamilton. And apparently she is like a, a rising superstar in, the, um, in this field of surgery. And he goes in for like what they told us was going to be about a seven-hour surgery. Yeah. And uh, U of M, I will say <clears throat> this. It was the complete polar opposite. It felt well-staffed it felt friendly. It felt, um, everything that you would want a hospital to be clean and, and tidy and organized. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so we get a meeting after his surgery with, um, he had just come out of surgery with the doctor and, and I tell her that she wants me to tell the whole story that I just told you guys just now. And she's just shaking her head and she's like, he should not be here. She goes, I, I cannot believe he made it here with this type of injury without dying. She goes, when we opened up his chest and I went to work on his aorta, it was it was breaking right there in front of me. It was it was giving way the last of it. Yeah, it was, I can imagine
5: it's ripping because it, it must have torn on the inside or out don't know. But. Had,
1: yeah, like like an onion, the aorta has multiple layers. Yeah. And it's it's for a source of hot debate. They don't know why, but the, apparently the inside layer um tear, breaks away on people. It's some it's hereditary combined with smoking, combined with high blood pressure. Yeah, these things can be a factor. But when it tears in the inside, it goes in between the layers and causes. A bigger, a bigger, a bigger, yeah. So where it could just ex- yeah. burst, right? So I can't yeah, believe so, they so had
5: I, him I, waiting 24 hours with this condi- in this condition. That's I pissing know, me dude, off. I know dude. it's
1: unbelievable, unbelievable. It's mm. it's a she said it because it's a miracle he's alive. But they rebuilt. She rebuilt his whole aorta and a valve, and um, was and he's uh, his prognosis is good. He's he feels like I'm sure he feels like he got hit by a truck. He you know he's been run over. Yeah. But um, his prognosis is very good because mm. he's in the the only the, this doctor said. U of M is the only hospital he's the only fighting chance he has if he has even a glimmer of hope to live it's U of M or nothing because there's no other place in Michigan that can do the surgery well now go get this yeah. so we overheard something in the ER of St Joe's St Joe's uh they made we overheard nurses talking and they made a remark that they assumed he had pericarditis and that's why they didn't do the proper CT scan yeah because they're seeing okay. a
5: whole lot of that right
1: yes so my now of course this is a lot of You know, conjecture, but I believe that they have a diminished staff because of vaccine injuries. And they have a much increased influx of ER patients because of vaccine injuries. Mm -hmm. And you're creating this total, you know, it's totally out of whack. You know, and and why would you assume you had pericarditis? And apparently, if you. what I've learned, here's, here's the takeaway. If you're vaccine injured and you have pericarditis, you're going to sit in the hospital longer because they're not going to do the proper tests because they assume you can, you can linger in pain for a while before that it won't die. You can, you can sit there for a while before. Yeah. Can
5: address it. I think that COVID is really still neglected. in effect for some of these. Um, yeah, yeah I it, guess. So. Yeah. Uh, so monster Mike over here on Twitch, he says, uh, now imagine the second CV 19 gets released and the fatality rate is above 10%. Forget it. Because think about it. If, I know if this thing works that they're trying to push on us again here, the second scandemic. Um, I would hate to see him in the in the hospital then, because they can easily say, "Hey, we took a test; he's positive, COVID money," um, and, and let it go and not treat it so seriously. So, for them to assume that it's pericarditis right off the bat tells you that they're seeing a lot of that. Uh, we we That's both have exactly, people, yes. we we both have friends and family that work in these hospitals around here. And that's corroborating what they're saying. They're they're like people, you know, they're just assuming people have these heart conditions now. I mean, when in history has 30-year-olds been dying suddenly? Nope.
1: I have a uh, a neighbor across the neighborhood, and she's a nurse at Beaumont, and they forced her to get the vaccine. Yeah. And then she developed, they didn't call it pericarditis. She got some other rare heart condition from it. And uh, she hasn't worked since December. So that's one nurse down. Yeah. How many others are there? Right. Well, yeah. Plus
5: hammock says they also fired a lot of people who refuse to take the jab. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. That too. That, add that into it. The, the, these, the system is broken. <clears throat> the I'm system is you. broken, it was, but
5: it's committed suicide is doing it on its own. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, so. A, another thing is like, you know, I, I'm glad that you had, you know, the option of U of M right there, uh, the hospital. Um, you know, all the smart people. Yes. Thanks. hammock, all the smart people, all the smart doctors, surgeons, they went elsewhere because they're not putting up with this stuff. And so yeah. what we're left with is a diminished socialist type of system. Um, that is probably exactly what they were trying to go for.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I see it the same way. And, and I'm not telling you, I'm not kidding you. I mean, it felt dystopian on that Thursday night when I went in there and there was just standing room only and there was no parking. I was just like, what is going on here?
5: Well, I tell you what, that earlier Thursday, I think it was Thursday or Wednesday. I was, you know, I, I inbox with your brother on a daily basis. We always send stuff through uh, Instagram, you know, and and, you know, we, we talk all the time and usually he's the first one to get started. He's send me all this stuff, but I didn't see anything lately from him. So, Mm -hmm. and then you said something. And so I inboxed him and, um, finally today he responded back to my, uh, DM. So thank you, bit oh, for Mac for coming through brother. Um, so glad to, to hear you. It, listen, it was a bumpy ride for us out here. I mean, I could imagine what it was for you and family in there. Uh, I'm just, you know, praise God that you're, that you're, you're, you're still around bit for Mac. I love it.
1: We were just, we were, we were at U of M all night and we we're just waiting. Like, I mean, we we're fearful. We we're just going to get that message. You did know, <laughs> yeah. get through the surgery or something. You yeah. Know I mean? But it, I mean, that's, it's, it's a long waiting process with no information while they're in surgery. It's crazy.
5: Well, listen, Bifframack, you've got, uh, you had a whole army of people out here praying for you. So, um, well, I'll tell you,
1: I'll tell you something. I had, I had all my pastor friends praying. I had all my, my, we had gilded praying. Yeah. Thank you to every listener out there. And, and you know, that we know in, in this circle of people here for praying. Um, he is actually, he, uh, is a, I think he, well, I got the impression he's an integral part of a charity called Open Door in Oakland County that is a food pantry. Yeah. And he does a lot, a lot. I w- he went to a, uh, a birthday, surprise birthday party for him. And I didn't realize he was kind of a, somewhat of a big deal there. And, um, they love him. And it, when they found out, I mean, we, they had 50 women gather in a circle and praying for him immediately on, on Friday morning. That's what
5: it's all about right there, brother. Uh, yeah. we got a lot of, a lot of good stuff, uh, comments coming off of Pilled Foxhole right now. Ghost Rider, um, doesn't like what they're hearing. Uh, Ranger Billy doesn't like what they're hearing. Hey, uh, Ghost Rider gave gifted gifted us a cookie, uh, uh, a gold pill. So thank you, Ghost Rider out there. So um, listen, prayer works. We know it. And, uh, you know, I'm just – I pray for his recovery. And uh, if he ever wants to come on the show and give us a brief update and, and a little bit of background of what he went through on his side, uh, let him know. He's, he's invited anytime. We can make some room for him. So –
1: they, they warned me at the hospital. They said, "You know, we we patch them up and fix them up, and off off we let him go. But what happens to people that have very near death experiences like this is they have a form of PTSD. Oh yeah, it's like somebody's been in a car accident. They kind of feel feel like, oh hey, I got a little another part of the story too. If you want to hear it,
5: yeah, real quick, and okay? then you know, yeah, go ahead and finish up, and then we'll get to our guest here. Yeah.
1: So I, you know, God can turn all pain into purpose, right? Oh yeah. So check this out. So me and Dennis are stuck in that room. I'm ticked off that this nurse keeps blowing us off and won't let us see my brother, but he had us there for a reason. You ready? Mm -hmm. So Dennis and I, Pastor Dennis and I are sitting there talking and in comes a a young woman and she sits down and I could just read something's wrong. And I said, are you okay? And she says, I just got a call that my, my, my kindergartner is unresponsive. And I said, can we pray over you? And she's like, yes, please. And she starts crying and we go over there and and Dennis led the prayer. We we laid hands on her and we prayed on her. As soon as Dennis ended the prayer, they walked in, they said, your son's eyes are open, come with us. And then she went in the other room. So then, so then, so I was like, all right, that's cool. So then after we were getting the bad news about my brother and we were told that he might not make it to U of M, we're walking down the hall and I'd, I'd look over and there's that woman holding her son in one of the ER rooms and she waved at us. (laughs) <laughs> oh, see that's and then what I'm saying
0: so, so then we <laughs>
1: yeah we get to U of M we're waiting for the surgery and I go into the the get it to get a sandwich at their you know cafeteria and um my wife and Pastor Dennis and I were praying over our meal and we're talking about our faith and everything and also this this guy walks up and he says uh hey I heard you guys talking about your faith and he goes I'm a pastor I'm like oh really and he goes yeah I'm from Kalamazoo I'm a, I'm a Lutheran pastor and um he's we said what's going on and he said I said you're a long way from home and he goes my wife is in a terrible car accident. She's paralyzed from the neck down.
2: Mm. And,
1: then, and we're like, can we pray over you? And he's like, let's do it. And we, we just So God God had purpose for us. Even if my brother were to die, we had a purpose there.
5: Yeah. So you guys were in there doing, doing God's work and, and I love it. And I'm glad you guys were there. And I wouldn't expect any less from people like you guys. I mean, you guys are, you're, you're out there doing the work. All right. We, may, we need more people like that in the world.
1: Hey, I'm just telling anybody out there is listening. If you're in a hospital visiting somebody and you see somebody duress, just go up and ask them if they need prayer. They probably do.
5: It will uplift their spirits.
1: Yeah. Yep. I mean, here, you know, I mean, I just can't stop thinking about that pastor. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he sounded, seemed grounded, but how do you, at, he was a senior. He wasn't a young guy. He needed help. How do you start your, yeah. How do you start at that point in life? And you're saying, oh my, now my wife is paralyzed. Yeah. No, he, he, he
2: needed, he needed you guys.
5: He needed you guys there. Oh, amen to that, brother. What what a story. What a story. Like I said, if he ever feels like call, uh, coming on the show and talking with us, we'll do it. So right. this is what it's all about, you guys. Listen, we're going to go to a uh, commercial break right now. On the other side, we're going to get into it big time. This is episode 111, uh, Syab du Jour with Professor Robin McCutcheon. Uh, let's get into some some topics, you guys, some nine eleven stuff. So here we go. We'll see you on the other side. This is Dangerous Info Podcast. See you in a couple minutes.
3: You, honey.
6: Mm-hmm. It would take hours to go over all the evidence which proves that the attack on September 11th, 2001 so was, was an inside job, mode. and I suggest you look into it if you haven't already, host guest. but to simplify the situation, so, yeah. all you need and to do my, my is look at is Building 7. Perfectly. What some people still don't realize is that there were three buildings that fell into their own footprint that day.
2: Three buildings that that fell at free-fall speed,
6: indistinguishable from controlled demolitions, because that's exactly what they were. As the towers came crashing down, we can see the signatures of a controlled demolition. The official story is that Building Seven, known as Seven World Trade Center, caught fire as a result of debris from the Twin Towers which somehow caused a critical internal column to break, causing a cascading (laughs) failure and collapse. And if this nonsensical (laughs) official narrative were true, it would make it the first and only steel skyscraper in the world to collapse from fires. The building's owner, Larry Silverstein, took control of the Twin Towers just weeks before 9-11 and had them insured to cover terrorist attacks. After Building 7 collapsed, Silverstein told the media that the decision was made to pull it, suggesting that the building was collapsed on purpose.
4: I remember getting a call from the uh, fire department commander telling me that they were not sure they were going to be able to contain the fire. Lots well, of life had such terrible loss of life. Maybe the smartest thing to do is, is pull it. Uh, and they made that decision to pull, and then we watched the building collapse.
6: This implies that they somehow rigged the explosives that afternoon while the building was still burning, which is ridiculous. And so the media dismissed his comments and changed their story. There were several witnesses who reported hearing and feeling the type of explosions one would expect from a controlled demolition.
0: You heard explosions, like ba-boom! There's like a distinct sound. Big explosion
4: blew us back into the eighth floor.
6: Somebody grabbed my shoulder and I started running, and the shit's hitting the ground behind me. And uh, the whole time you hear them thoom, 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 thoom. So, I, <laughs> I think I know an explosion when I hear it.
1: <laughs> Do you know if it was an explosion or if it was a building collapse? To me, it sounded like it. it to me, it sounded like an explosion.
6: The explosions were captured on video. You want to
2: call, oh.
5: you, you call your mother or
2: something?
4: Um, in fact, you were just uh, told by police that you could move out of your um apartment, Carriano. You've got Carolina here. Um, they they advised us to leave because we have, oh my God. First
6: responders were told that the building was going to be blown up.
4: And, uh, boy, boy. Can you hear that? Keep your eye you on that building. It's coming down. We're moving back, we'll back. We are moving back. back. Yeah. There's a building
0: oh. about to blow
1: up. Uh, and you were you guys knew this was coming all day.
4: We had, been had we had heard reports that the building was unstable and that it eventually would either come down on its own or it would be taken down.
6: The BBC reported live on air that the building already collapsed before it did. Television viewers That's could see it in the background still standing
1: ago was talking about the Salomon Brothers building collapsing and indeed it has apparently that's only a few hundred yards
4: away from where the World Trade Center towers were and it seems that this was not a result of a new attack it was because the uh, building had been weakened
3: yeah
6: right and the right, investigation as as the never out. even investigated for explosives.
3: The Republican
6: White House right. then it's signed like into law free. the Patriot Act,
3: you
1: know
6: which allowed the next That's Democrat White House <laughs> to target U.S. civilians as if they were domestic terrorists. And they amended the Defense Authorization Act, which allowed the next Republican White House to experiment on the American people with deadly gene therapy and nanotech vaccines. The same people who did 9-11 are pulling off the climate hoax and the deadly COVID shots. They run both parties of our government. Many have forgotten, and it's time to wake up before they kill us all. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese.
7: Do you want to be a sponsor of the Danger Simple podcast? It's quick and easy to do, fellow patriots. Simply go to Subscribestar.com, Buzzsprout.com, or any other support choices listed in the description of this episode and join us today. We aren't beholden to mainstream media narratives because we aren't mainstream media. If that's important to you, then we need your support to continue to grow and spread the message of free speech and the truth. We are just one small show out here competing with these globalist-funded script-reading shit shows. We aren't down with dystopian nonsense. We're down with freedom-loving, liberty-seeking, patriots like yourselves. We are the Dangerous Info Podcast. Please join us today. Stay dangerous, my patriot friends. Stay dangerous.
5: Uh, Yes. All right, you guys, we are looking forward to our chat tonight with returning guest, Professor Robin McCutcheon. She has her own suspicions and theories about why 9-11 happened, meaning we have all been under attack by shadowy groups of few people for generations. And clearly we are in a fifth generation war, as General Flynn has told us many times and has taken the form of a huge psychological operation only the very stubbornly unbrainwashable people like us will be able to acknowledge adapt and survive hey there's a race to the year 2030 it's coming quick and their plan is to make us their slaves from cradle to grave everybody this is a spiritual battle that we're in and we are blessed in the battle professor robin mccutcheon how you doing out there tonight welcome to the show
3: i'm doing great thank you thank you so much for having me back can you hear me
5: oh yeah you sound great look great and um Looks like you have some new stuff in the background there and say say hello. No, it's yeah, it's the same old stuff. <laughs> I like that it's, dragon. <laughs> it's
3: a, oh, thank you. My daughter gave that to me. She got it at Renaissance Festival in Holly, Michigan years and years ago. And <clears throat> so it That's, guards my back.
5: Yep. We are probably going to be going to that this weekend. So,
3: oh, have a great time.
5: It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. We, we, we try to go every year. Outcast dresses up for that, it.
3: That is so cool. Yeah, um, Tim and I went for years and years when we lived in Michigan, and um, some of our favorite times were meeting friends there and hanging out and following the queen around and her entourage or <laughs> looking at the joust. I mean, it, it, it's always a great time.
5: It is. It's a great time, and uh, we all should meet up there sometime. Um, my mom was there last weekend. She said oh, it's great. That'd be great. There is a um, uh, a, a new uh, what is that. Uh, the, the dragons, the house of dragons and the, uh, what's the other, that TV show? Outcast?
1: Oh, game of thrones. Game of
5: thrones. Yeah. They have those two things game there now. Yeah. So it's, um, fits right into okay. to the whole theme of the, you know, the Renaissance and, uh, you know, uh, outcast, of course he wears his kilt there and dresses all up and takes a sword with his wife. It's, it's awesome. It's great to see. I like it. It's great. Great people watching. That's
3: so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and outcast i want to let you know i'm i'm so pleased to hear that your brother is on the road to recovery we were praying along with everyone else so
1: thank you so um, much just, your prayers just are want so you appreciated you know that
3: hey you know what prayer works and god helps those who help them th- themselves and um as long as we can lean on him we're good we're aces. you know up.
2: we f-
1: we felt those prayers we felt a sense of peace even though we were in the storm we really did
3: mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah. Thank you. So, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to listening to Biffur testimony about how awful the socialist healthcare system is.
1: It, it was third world. I'll tell you that.
5: It's tough. It sounds like it, and uh, we'll we'll get into that. But um, uh, tonight, tonight is a big night. <clears throat> it is September 11th. Very significant numbers. Now, I, I was talking with uh, Outcast and uh, Pastor Eric earlier today. And I want to run this by you, Robin, before we get into it. And I have always heard from from several different sources, uh, biblical sources, that nine and eleven, and actually the date September 11th, you know, it's a very big, significant date in history. I mean, I'm talking way back before our time. All right, I'm talking way, way, way back, biblical times of September 11th, um, being a very significant day. Now we know that December 25th is not Jesus's real birthday. Uh, all the evidence seems to point to today is being Jesus's real birthday, which makes sense because why do these anti-human parasites, these demonic, satanic people, want to create so much destruction against God's children on this day? To me, it makes sense. Now, the number nine, the number one, the number 11 outcast. Uh, you know, it, it's been, uh, it's been predictive programming in so much of Hollywood, uh, in their movies, in their commercials, in their TV shows for years, Nine eleven is a very important day. Uh, I think uh, there's a, go ahead. Outcast.
1: Eric, Eric, Eric said, um, pastor Eric said nine is the number of finality or completeness. One is the number of unity, clarity and order. So the number uh, one, one or 11 is the number of disorder, chaos, confusion.
2: Yeah. There
5: you go. Mm-hmm. I mean it makes sense. So, uh Robin, what do you think? What's your what's your outtake on just the number uh 911 or September? Do you have any uh, thoughts on on these things?
3: Well, a Bible group that a ladies Bible group that I had belonged to also carried the theory that Jesus had been born on September 11th. Um I don't think we can be exact about this because we have a different calendar now than the one that was used even
2: yeah four hundred years ago. yep
3: yeah. so I mean, I don't think that we're ever gonna know, but I think that the I think the fact that these evil demonic characters are deliberately targeting certain days can give us a clue. The shedding of innocent blood, is a horrible thing Mm -hmm. and they delight in that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, I I think this is just gonna sound really weird, but I think we just need to ask, I think we just need to ask God's blessing on everything, everything. Um, And it's not going to be so much that all all of the grace and charity is going to be spread across the world by him alone, it's going to be all of us together doing it. It takes all of us yeah. and we're, we we are the hands and the feet of God. And I think that in my heart, I know everything is going to turn out okay. It's probably gonna be a little bit of a bumpy ride, but I think like I said in my last visit with you, it's going to look a lot like that sandstorm with the mummy just, you know, crying trying to scare the <laughs> yeah. pants off of all of us.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, and it's just gonna fade away. It's when we got when we get on the other side of this, I think we are going to be surprised at how fast the whole thing went. And I think we are going to surprise ourselves at the courage and the bravery that came from within that God gives to all of us when we stand our ground and when we stand for him. And so I know that sounds silly, but.
5: No, it doesn't sound silly at all.
3: Just have it in my heart that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, Satan is the father of all lies. The thing that he wants to do to us is to make us so fearful that we will cower in our homes and that we won't stick up for the rights that we know that God gave us when we were born. And I think one of my favorite movies is Dune and one of the favorite sayings in Dune is that fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. Yeah. And I will face my fear. I will watch it pass over me and around me and through me and when it is gone I will turn and look and only I will remain. And I think that, I think that that is our strength. You know, leaning on God, knowing that He's got our back, Mm -hmm. like my little dragon. Yeah, and um, I think it's going to be okay. But we are going to all learn something through this process, right? One of um, I saw a meme today, and it was uh, Keanu Reeves, and the meme was when you're taking a test. The teacher is not speaking to you. So, all of us are being tested. We're all of us going to come through this knowing a firmer reliance on divine providence. We are going to have a firmer reliance on our neighbors and our families and ourselves and our communities and our country. And it's it's this testing of us right now that proves our metal. Steel is not made just by grabbing the iron ore out of the ground. It's got to be fired. It's got to be beaten. It's got to be folded. It's got to be sharpened. And so all of us are we're 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 the raw material. We've been pulled out of the ground and now we've been beaten and fired and sharpened and so now is our time that's what i think and i think i think we've got satan's minions on the run i think they're scared to death because we are all uniting all of us black brown white green blue whatever and and that's what they don't want
5: amen amen uh, you know and i tend to agree with that there's a um if you remember when J.C. Hall was on, well, he's been on a bunch of times, but he talks about uh, Jesus. Uh, God is sifting the churches right now. And uh, remember that outcast, you know, he told us about the, the sifting of the churches. And this has to take place. The sifting has to take place because the the ones with the eyes to see that are open to what's going on and the infiltration into the church, the people who are waking up from that. They're getting out of those weak churches and going to the strong ones. And the strong ones could mm-hmm. be at the home churches. It could be two people together. So, um, you know, the sifting has to happen. We have to go through all these things. Uh, you know, Outcast, you went through this stuff recently, too. And, uh, you know, before we get to uh, Professor Robin here on her 9-11 story, is there something quick you want to say about, about that, too, about the the sifting of the churches?
1: Oh boy, I could. There's a lot I could say about that. I don't know if I want to derail the show, but um, no, it's absolutely true. Uh, also, something we have to to, to consider too. Uh, you and I, Jesse, were listening to a conf- uh, confessionals podcast with that guy who was a uh, high warlock in the Satanic Church, and yeah, he was saying that they specifically groom people within the Satanic Church to plant themselves in regular churches to destroy them. They teach them strategies for destroying churches
5: yeah, through gossip. So, so there's.
1: Yep. So, the, the, so evil has been infiltrated specifically to destroy them. But churches who succumb to it are probably weak to begin with because the, the, they they couldn't withstand it. Uh, you know. And here's another thing to think about with the oh. churches. Um, this this idea that um, we we are supposed to go to this church and passively worship in this little safe space. It, it has nothing to do with that. The, the, the church is the people, first of all. It's not a building, a structure, or denomination. It's not a bit. It's not a, a group of bishops or or deacons or anything else. It is the body of Christ, real believers gathered together out of the pure love of Christ and the, and the, and the forgiveness that they've received from Christ to go out into the world and help other people. And I'm I'm getting to the point where I feel like God is revealing to us. You realize your tithes are heating and cooling a giant empty. That's half the building. That's half empty because. They didn't stick to the doctrine. I mean, I could go on and on pontificating about this, but there's obviously something going on where God is saying, this is the old way. We're entering in a new way. Now, that being said, since I brought that up in the Lord's prayer, what do you say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are supposed to be seeking, the, the we're, we're supposed to be working together to bring heaven here. And to sit there in a passive, in a passively in a church and go, this is my little social club where I get together and I get to, you know, yeah, it's even it feel good. That's fine and all. But at what point do you go out in the world and you, and you feed, you feed people or help people? Um, so God's calling us to a higher, a higher calling than what we've been given. We've been given some, in some cases, a very blasé version of our faith. Um, we're supposed to be out in the world. We're not supposed to be in a building. So I could, at the end of the show, I got a couple more thoughts to share with you about the church I've been visiting, but. That's I'll stop there. I'm sorry,
5: no, that's good. Thank you. Thank you for that outcast. Well,
3: well, the Amish have known this for 300 years. <laughs> yes.
5: Yeah. And we talk about the Amish. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, Imitate the Amish, be like the Amish. We, I hunt with those guys up, up north, right next to their property. They know, they know, and yeah. they've always known. So, um, mm-hmm. you, you've been, you've been making the rounds lately, professor Robin McCutcheon, you've been out there, uh, you're back in school. I heard you on, uh, American education FM with Sean Brooks, a good friend of the show. I heard you on him, uh, well, just last week. So you're in the thick of it again. Yes. Uh, you're, you're back to school. Um, before we get to the nine eleven, how's the school thing going as you see it for what the first couple of weeks here, what's going on at Marshall university?
3: Well, our, our student body population is up about two and a half percent, which delighted the upper administration. Mm. Um, and, uh, I noticed that campus feels fuller, if, if that makes any sense. Sean will know what I'm talking about, but it feels like there are more students on campus. Um, on the very first day of my face-to-face classes, I did uh, let the students know that um, there's another COVID jab coming. They're gonna try and scare the pants off us again. And I was I was telling Sean that I was a little shocked at the, yeah, do not comply. I was telling Sean that I was a little shocked, happily shocked, surprisingly happily shocked that the students almost to a person were ready to say, shove it up your, you know what, that they're not going to comply. They're not going to mask up. They're not going to take these jabs. I had students come up to me after both classes to say, I never masked. I'm not jabbed and I never will. And, and, you know, my family is all with me as well. Um, so, and there, and I did meet students who had been jabbed and said never again, because I've seen in my own family, the after effects, the adverse effects of the jab going through the family. Um, some of the died suddenly some of the myocarditis, some of the turbo cancers. I mean, it's, it's, it's hit hard. And there's been enough time and enough, um, research and eye um, awareness coming to these students and their families that they've been had. They, they had the wool pulled pulled down so far over their eyes. It got to their toenails mm-hmm. and, um, many of them are less than pleased. Maybe I should put it that way. Good. So they're not going to most of the students that I, that I talked with aren't going to, and I let them know, um, you know, if, if the campus, if the Board of Governors decides to bring this back, you know, a new round of jabs, more masking, all it would take is a thousand students emailing the Board of Governors and the president and the upper administration to say, I'm not getting jabbed, I'm not doing the mask, and if you do this, I will leave school, and okay, fine, you might have my tuition for this semester, but you won't ever get it again. And I'll tell everyone in my little town I come from, don't go to Marshall. It's not the place for you.
5: That's right. They, they need to. And I said,
3: all you need is a th- All you need is a thousand students. You don't need all the whole campus. You yep. just need ten percent of the people to push back and say, not going to do it.
5: It would destroy and them. Backtrack really fast. Yeah. Destroy them. Yep. It would destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, any pushback? Yep. Any pushback on your uh, or censorship? that you're, you're getting, because I know you're very outspoken as you should be. And that's great. And you're not hiding behind a wall of lies. Uh, So, you know, do, do the, uh, do the students appreciate your, your truthfulness?
3: I think so. Yes. And I have had zero pushback from any administrator. Um, We have a new Dean this year, so that should be fun. You're gonna have to teach, to teach him I'll get or her. Yeah. To teach a new one. Yeah, I'll get <laughs> to it. teach a new one.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but so far, so good. Awesome. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have been trying to tell the students for several years: the power on campus lies with the students. It's it's not with the board of governors. It's not with the president. It's not even with the dean of the school. Yep. It's the student body. If the student body is decides something that the school is doing that they don't like, you know, we could do some old fashioned sit-ins that worked in the 60s and the early 70s to to train administrations what students will tolerate and what will not tolerate. So most of the people in upper administration are too young to remember the sit-ins from the 60s, but I remember them. And, you know, good old fashioned sit-in might might do a body good.
5: That's might might maybe what they need. So excellent. Well, good to hear we'll all see. that stuff. And, and and you know if they do bring the scamdemic number two in, I'm glad you're there to help push back against it. So uh, why don't we get into? Well, I've
3: got. It sounds like I have a lot more people behind me this time than I did the first time.
5: Well, there's two guys right here that are for sure. Let's um, let's talk about why you're here today. It's nine eleven and. It is 9 11. There's a lot of stuff that some people haven't heard or are not privy to, or some people don't believe it, but uh, there's pr- plenty of proof out there if people are willing uh-huh. to dig and dig and dig and shut your mind off to the mainstream media.
3: That's right. Well, do you guys remember where you were on the morning of
5: 9 11? Uh, 100%. J- I can give Jesse, you all the details. Where were you? I was in my home <laughs> office. Yep. I was in my home office. I had just sent my crew out to work. And I had the radio going. I was working on the computer, entering all the, you know, invoices, bills, and scheduling and doing all that stuff. And uh wife was pregnant, and she just headed off to work. And uh, I think she was eight months pregnant at the time. And um, wow. it happened. And I remember it coming over. I was wa- listening to the Howard Stern show. That's what it was. And, okay. and uh, I remember them talking about, you know, buildings hitting the the, or planes hitting, because that's what they saw on TV, right? Planes hitting these buildings and explosions uh-huh. and uh, you know just just chaos. You know what though? I did. I never told anybody this. I turned on the TV. I turned on a couple TVs because I still need to do my work. I was going back and forth. Oh, I did. I did call. That's the day when we had all the um the time when we had all the next tells. Remember the next tells? Beep beep, and you talk. So I next tell uh-huh. all my whole crews. Uh, five of them at the time, and and told them what was going on. Keep your heads down. Keep working. Try not to let it affect you, whatever this is. Um, and I'll keep you updated. So um, I put in, I started up my VCR, and I don't know what channel I had the TV on, but I just let it run and I recorded. So I've got tapes sitting over here in this room in a box that I've wow. never opened up, and I just hit record and I've I recorded live, everything. I filled up tapes full of VHS tapes. And I never looked at them. Wow! I forgot about that. Oh man. I know
2: that's a, that's a
3: time capsule. A, that's
2: going to be
1: interesting.
3: You got yes. a treasure trove.
5: And yeah. I never looked at them. So I'm going to have to dig out. They uh, dig those out and dig out a VCR and just start yeah. going through them and see, see what there is.
3: Yeah. And, and outcast, where were you? Yeah. Do you Outkast. remember?
1: Yeah. So I was, uh, I was at a, a, a sales appointment cause I'm a sales rep and I was sitting with two gals, uh, uh, Lisa and I'm trying to remember the, I, I know where the other gal's name is just, it'll come to me, but we were, uh, looking at product. And the doctor of the, the office's wife called and said, you guys have to turn on the TV and see what's going on. So we're like, OK, what's going on? So we turn on the TV and we can see that one of the towers is on is, is smoldering and the news are reporting that a plane hit it. And I'm like, a plane hit it. And I'm thinking, OK, so are they going to try to write this off as some kind of crazy accident or is this is this a terrorist accident, you know, incident type of thing? I was kind of like watching And then next, you know, another plane hits the other building right while we were watching. I was just like, holy cow, we're under attack. That was Mm. the first thing I thought. Right. I remember, I remember how utterly perfectly blue the sky was that morning. It was a beautiful day.
5: Crisp and And cool.
1: Yeah. I just remember being just, yeah. And I remember, um, just being shook to my core, like really, really rattled. And I went to go out to my car to use my phone to call my wife and call my parents. And the lines are jammed. You couldn't make a call out that nobody could call anywhere. It just, like, the whole, uh-huh. it was just shut down. And that was a really, really eerie feeling. I remember coming home and standing in front of the TV with my wife watching some news reports, and we just hugged each other and, and wept, you know, because we just, we knew that uh, the whole world had changed, you know, our whole world had changed before our eyes. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And I bought into most of the narrative in the beginning. I did. I am ashamed, but I did. Uh, I although I'm ashamed of that, I think that Jesse should be more ashamed that he was listening to Howard Stern. In my opinion,
5: hey, you know what? <laughs> and and now looking back on it, I am. I'm totally ashamed. That guy is a, a lunatic. That guy is a paranoid freak lunatic. And his wife Beth is l- looking for a a way out. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not even going to say it. But <laughs> where where were you, Professor Robin?
3: Well, I'm going to preface my story with, um, an event that occurred before 9 11. My son had, um, driven out to California with a friend of his who needed a, she needed a spare driver to take her out to school. I think she was out in Los Angeles. And so he, he spent the week before 9 11 driving out to LA and, um, he called me when he got there and he said, he said, look, I'm going to need a, a plane ticket to come back. And I said, okay. And I said, well, let me look and see what I can find. And I called him back and I said, well, there's, there's a flight on Tuesday, the 11th. And, um, you know, it's pretty cheap cause it's a Tuesday. He goes, no, I, I don't want, uh, uh-uh. uh, I, I don't want Tuesday the 11th. And he said, you have to find me something out of here before Tuesday. And I said, "Well, okay, so I went back and looked and, and I found another flight that was, it was some ungodly red-eye flight, like early, early Monday morning. And um, I said, "You're gonna have to get up at like two o'clock in the morning and skate out to the airport." And he said, "Don't worry, buy me the ticket. I'll be there." And I remember um, I remember getting up that morning, and thinking he's never going to make it. So I started calling his phone and calling and calling and calling. And finally he, he answered it. He said, Oh my God, I overslept. I said, I knew it. I said, get your ass in gear and get to the airport and get on that plane. So he, he flew in sometime. It was sometime Monday morning, the 10th. And he, he flew into DTW, you know, Detroit Metro. And I went and picked him up and he's, he, got into the car and he breathes this big sigh of relief. He goes, okay, now I feel safe. And I looked at him and I said, "What's what's, what's, what is this? I feel safe. He goes, I have a horrible feeling about tomorrow. I don't want to be anywhere near an airplane. And I went, huh? Okay. All right, fine. So we go about our daily business. The next morning is Tuesday, 9-11, and I, I'm up early. I'm getting ready to go to my nanny job. I was, uh, I was babysitting for a friend of mine who had a little boy in May of 2001. He was born with three-quarters of his heart, so we did a lot of praying. And, um, and she trusted me with her little boy, just like I trusted her with my kids when they were little, and I was on my way going west on I-94. I was about a mile from the state street exit and I had WJR on. And all of a sudden I hear, oh my God, one of the World Trade Centers has been hit by a plane. And so I speeded up a little bit to get to her house a little faster. And I run into the house and I said, Janice, are you? Is your is your TV on? Are you watching this? And she was sitting on the floor with little Tommy in her arms, rocking back and forth, watching the tower just smoke. Wow. And I sat down around her, put my arms around her and the baby, and we sat there, the three of us, and then the next explosion happened. Mm. And we just started weeping. Yeah. And the only thing I knew to do was to pray. Obviously, we'd been attacked. And... Finally, she took a deep breath and she handed the baby to me and she said, I've got to go. I don't know if I will be back soon or not. Um, They may cancel school. And she gave the baby a kiss and gave me a hug and out the door she went. And I sat on the floor holding that baby for hours just because that was, it was almost like a security blanket, right? And, um, And I I admit, I bought into a lot of the lies as well, but there was always something kind of fishy in the background. It was like, okay, you've got these four planes, right? Two struck the towers, one was headed out over Pennsylvania, and one supposedly struck the...
5: Pentagon.
3: Pentagon,
1: right? Pentagon. Yep. It, and I just uh, somebody said today there was a four, a fifth one that landed with the, the that was able to land safely. I don't remember that. Did, did you guys? Know I don't remember
3: about that? a fifth one.
1: No, I don't. I don't, I don't
3: remember a fifth one. Um, but I but I remember seeing the one video of the Pentagon where something super fast flying at almost grass top level swoops yep. in and yep. takes out half <laughs> yep. the side. Saw I'm like that, that is not a that is not a plane. That's a missile.
5: I have That was that my is first not,
3: There's nobody no well see my family's aviation. Yeah. My dad was a pilot since the mid 30s and I confirmed with him he said there is nobody who can fly a 747 or a 757 inches off the ground missing um, light poles on every side to to go into the side of a building. And where and, were the landing gear? Where were the engines? Where was the black box? There, they weren't was there. nothing.
5: Nothing. Nothing. And, was it, and, that, was, and why that was
3: the first little peak. And Say
5: and, and the hole
3: now. in the yes. building
1: was the hole in the building was round and you're like where did the wings go. It was just a perfectly right. round hole in the building. Right. And it was right. low like so the video was, I saw was like
2: so low. <clears throat> you yes. know.
3: That right. so that was the first that was my first kind of a there's something not right here. Yeah, there's something mm-hmm, not right. And then the plane that that um, supposedly went into the ground in Pennsylvania. Um, again, no landing gear, no big. Uh, because landing gear is the stuff that survives. Maybe not the tires, but the gear itself. There were there were no shreds of an airplane. Nothing. Nope. And I was like. You know, just, I think we're being had here
5: just this year. Well, let me tell you this first back then, you know, there were cameras on the stores across the street. There were cameras all over the Pentagon. There were cameras everywhere. Yeah. A three letter agency went around from what I heard from a few store owners, shop owners, a few, uh, you know, uh, agent agencies came through and confiscated all those tapes. Now it's taken forever. What? 22 years now, but just over the last eight, nine months, I have the video and I I don't have it queued up or anything but I do have the video of whatever it was not it's not a plane you could tell it's not a plane uh, going a plane. across yep uh there was one video that they never did get and I have it and uh you know people have seen it and it's not a plane you can see it it comes down ground level and it stays right around the 5 foot part, yeah. foot 5 foot mark now yeah. the only There was two frames, I believe that the FBI or the media shown, and it was one just before explosion where you can't see anything. And then the explosion, that's it. Two frames.
2: Mm
5: -hmm. And there's another account where after the explosion happened, just, just so happens all that $2.3 trillion that Rumsfeld uh, Rumsfeld said they couldn't, you know, that they lost the day before on the 10th. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. the area, the accounting area where that missile hit. Now, yes. after the smoke cleared and everything, some of the workers that were in the Pentagon walked through that and came on out into the grass, yeah, and they were like what what Weird. what happened here? What exploded? There was no mm-hmm. plane. I'm telling you guys, yeah. there's no plane
3: is, there was no plane well i'm I'm even doubting that there were planes going into the twin towers. Yeah. um I think that I think that there is an awful lot of movie magic. That oh, yeah. has been implemented. Yeah, and I think that um, Hollywood you know, TV. If you wanted to pull a fast one, Hollywood TV. If you wanted to pull a fast one on not just the American public but the rest of the world, how would you do it? Do it on TV. So script I'm, it. It's <clears throat> like I said. I I kind of at first bought into a lot of the stories that were going around on the 11th and. But I had enough of a doubt in my mind that as things began to leak out, I, I would go put another check next to not possible. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I noted in passing um was that isn't it odd how there how of all the people who were on the planes, we only saw the families of a few.
2: Yeah.
5: Yep. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And who were those people?
3: Yeah. Could it be possible? Could it be possible that some, I don't know, three-letter agency got a lot of their um, agents to book flights on those particular planes Mm -hmm. so that it, it looked like it was full? Yep. And isn't it possible that those planes could have landed somewhere else? It is. And in the meantime something else was sent in its place and you could you could even imagine a few of the people on the plane calling home to say you know we're in this horrible situation um, I'm I'm just extremely skeptical at this point that anything the media told us on 9/11 or the days after I'm I'm so skeptical that any of it was true. I mean look at that um, BBC announcer anchor that was talking about the Solomon building, which was world trade center seven. And it was still in the background. It was still standing.
2: Yeah.
5: a full Totally.
3: T- de- totally. Yep.
5: A full 20 minutes so, before it came down. She announced that it came down. They went to commercial right. break, uh, came back after it had, did, did come down. Oh, now it fell uh-huh. down. There you go
3: so it was. she she went we out of it by just a few minutes she went out of script yeah.
5: she she went yeah. out of script um and knowing what we know now the details of these uh you know false flags that they've been pulling on us for decades and decades and decades especially the one mm-hmm. in 2020 we know mm-hmm. that these things are, pu- are 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 planned out uh by a lot of people within three letter agencies and the government and they're well executed they're they're trained for they're practiced they, they they do dry runs they're dry runs yeah. everywhere they do these uh, uh yeah. you know they for school shootings for example you know that every officer is wearing a a, a video recorder right a body cam those body cams are running video right. we we never get to see where those videos go where they end up at the end of the day do they go to some data bank <clears throat> listen if, uh-huh. if they want to take some video and make something up, they just reach into this data bank, pull out some video of some testing where they're shooting, uh, you know, uh, blanks at something or doing going through a school or a building or whatever it is. They can roll all those mm-hmm. films together, put them on TV, have a narrator, reporter, read the script. Boom. There you go. You have an event. Yeah. OK, yes. you throw in some crisis actors, some blood, some some fake stuff. And, you know, nowadays they don't even use fake blood or anything. They just say, here, this happened. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But um, let's go back. Let's well, get back on track.
3: Yeah. So so here's here's another I don't I don't know if I can even call it a curious thing anymore, but after the World Trade Centers were taken down, what was the thing that Congress ran through? Wasn't it the Patri- Patriot Act? And
5: the, which was written before this event took place. Right. Yep.
3: Right. The, right. the, the they Patriot had it ready Act, to go.
5: The Patriot Act should be called the Trader Act cuz that's what it is.
3: Right. Well, well, if you, if thing- you remember,
1: if you remember, oh, I'm sorry, I was gonna say, if you remember at the time, how they kind of rammed it through to it, the public opinion on it was, listen, um, we're after the bad guys. And if you, if you're not a bad guy, you have nothing to really worry about. So, and we were like, okay, yeah, go get those bad guys. I got nothing to hide. I'm just a regular Joe out here just trying to make a living. So yeah, go ahead and tap my phone. I mean, we, I mean, a lot of us, I mean, we felt like that. We're like, okay, get them. You know, they're yeah. after us.
2: Yeah.
3: I I. I confess I was uh, by the time the Patriot Act started being blasted out over the mainstream media, I was a little skeptical because one of the things that isn't one of the things that it did was it, um, gave the, didn't it, um, surveillance, the department of Homeland security.
5: Yeah. And, and also the, uh, the TSA, That was brought in from that where they can grope you as you get in line now and you have to take off all your clothes and the belts and shoes and and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was, go ahead.
3: I was already pissed at the airlines for getting rid of smoking on planes. So, you know, TSA didn't (laughs) please me either. But the thing that I noticed about the department of Homeland security is there's another country that also had a homeland office do you remember what the country was?
5: Was it Israel? Outcast? You're going to guess? Was it uh, Canada? I don't. At this point, go ahead.
3: It was a. It was a country that was that was um, determined to protect the fatherland.
2: Germany? And
3: George Bush, George W. Bush, kept referring to the United States as the fatherland. Now, if he had a German accent like Zephazaland, then I would have been, you know, on high alert. But that alone that he kept referring to the United States as the homeland and the fatherland, I was thinking, holy crap, is he going to start goose stepping now? Mm -hmm. So this this was very shortly after the towers went down. I don't remember exactly when, but it wasn't too many weeks or months later. And that put me on high alert as well, because I was thinking this is looking a lot like a surveillance police state that they're putting the laws that's what they wanted in place and maybe maybe McCarthy should have been looking not for communists maybe McCarthy should have been looking for nazis <clears throat> and this so this is way back in 2002 right you know yeah. and I think I I think I might have mentioned this to my son or to a friend and and, and, you know, I always got the, you're batshit crazy
2: yeah. look. Yeah.
5: Well, the normies That's say that crazy. today, too. The normies will say that right today. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, my, my spidey senses were already on high alert all the way back then, even though I wasn't really awake. Um, but it was those first little pokes at me. To get me to start looking, all right, well, what else is going on that nobody's talking about? Mm-hmm. What else should I be aware of? And, you know, as we go through the last couple of decades, I think I finally got to the point, maybe close to, maybe it was right around July or August of 2020. I just sort of sat back and went, Okay, God, there's absolutely nothing I can do about any of this. <clears throat> the I can't, I can't change it. I'm just one little old person. The best I got is just to, just to pray. Yeah, that's all I got. And 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 speak out when I see something. You know, talk to my students. Exactly, get them thinking about stuff.
5: A, a Christian way of thinking, correct? Mm-hmm. Um. A comment just came in from Ghostwriter. Rider. Well, I don't
3: know. I don't, I don't know. That's a, <laughs> what?
5: Well, your gut feeling was talking to you, and that was God talking to you, okay, like he does to all of us every day. Well, you listen to yeah. your gut. But uh, Ghostwriter over here, he says that also, talking about the Patriot Act, also claimed that Christians were domestic terrorists. So, you know, that started way back then, you guys, and just ramped up. You know, uh, the, the, right. the Traitor Act right. is um, deep state surveillance on all of us now. So that's what that did. Um, you can throw together yeah. JFK I made a meme a couple of years ago in 2021 or 2020 one of the two outcasts I can't remember but remember that whiteboard meme I made it said um uh the, the, the people that gave you the the people that gave you JFK 911 are the same people that are giving us the scamdemic right now remember something like that I had that right. on one of my boards and um you know people were you know kind of perplexed about that but now a few years later you know, they can see it all, all wrapped together and it's, it's, it makes sense now, but, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yep.
3: Over the course of years, some of the other things that I started noticing was sometime in around 2004, or maybe it was 2005. I started hearing, um, news about a massive data center being built in Utah. I want to say Utah. Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah. It it, enormous building.
3: It was an enormous building and it was going to collect some data. And I was thinking some, it's going to collect everything. All data. It's it's (laughs) all data. Anything that's electronic. If you make a phone call, it's going to collect it. It's going to collect the phone call, not just the number, but it's going to collect your voice and what you said. If you send an email, it's going to collect it. And then I, I had a thought this is going to sound so conspiratorial. I was thinking sometime around, I think it must have been somewhere around 2011. I was reflecting on this data center, and I was thinking, well, that's that's kind of an interesting thing. They're collecting all this information. I wonder. I wonder if they're collecting information on everybody or just some people. Um. One of my favorite authors is Mercedes Lackey and she writes, um, she writes science fiction books and some of them are kind of along the lines of fantasy books. But in one of the books, the evil, evil demon queen notices that the good guys have created a door to look through to see what she's doing. And because this door is created that the good guys can look through, she can look back through at them. And I was thinking, ah, a door for you is a door for me. Yep. And so now when you think about it, if there really is continuity of government going on, and if there really is a devolution of the government going on, then that means that there has to be, There has to be some white hat patriots that have used this door to look in on the bad guys and see what they're doing too. And I think the fact that we're seeing some of these people start getting real wiggly and real skittish, maybe, maybe the walls are closing in.
5: Are you talking about the NSA? Does that make any sense? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm thinking the NSA is also looking back at them. Um, to see what's going on and they're collecting data too. You know, it's it, it there's a battle going on and we're not all not all of us are seeing this battle going on. It's it's behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Um the battle rages, yep. the battle it, it it goes on underground. It goes on everywhere, you guys, and I think it's only going to get more intense as time goes on. It's going to get more um outrageous, it's going to get more um hilarious in a sense of once you see past what's going on, it does become hilarious to you, but it's it's devastation, you know? So, you know, it, we're the ones that are going to feel the fallout from these deep state actors. Uh, we're feeling it all the time. Um, they have so many tools at their disposal. Uh, you know, they, they feel like rats backed into a corner. You know, Outcast, we, we talk about that all the time. Um, these rats backed in the corner, they do dangerous things, uh, dangerous to us. So,
3: well, dang, dangerous to themselves as well. I mean, look at what the new the New Mexican New Mexico governor just was that Friday morning. Yeah, she Friday. She put a 30 day ban on the county where in Albuquerque is. Yeah. A 30 day ban on concealed carry and not concealed carry. Yep. Second, and, Second Amendment um,
5: violations, right there.
3: Second Amendment violation, and she comes out with this uh, totally ridiculous statement that, well, you know, my oath to uphold the constitution is not absolute. And I was thinking, lady, you have forgotten the definition of oath. Yes. And Mm -hmm. what there was immediate pushback. It wasn't days later or weeks later, it was immediate. And Saturday morning, Patriots in Albuquerque showed up strapped and packed, daring her to come take it.
5: Yes. And and she didn't take it. The DA
3: said, I'm not Mm -hmm. arresting I'm not arresting anyone. Yep. the The sheriff should have gone and arrested her. Not don't don't impeach the woman. Arrest her and throw her in jail because she has committed treason. Yeah.
5: Now the sheriff. That's what needed to be done. Exactly. Sheriff. That have, was
3: the message that needed to be sent.
5: That would have been such a strong message, Robin, because you know the sheriffs do have the ultimate power in those counties. So those those uh, there were That's a lot right. of there were a lot of sheriffs there that said. We are not doing this. We're not following that order. But you're right. They should have arrested her. Mm-hmm. They should have brought her out into public. Yeah. They should have hot tar and feathered her ass right then. That's what we need to go on right <laughs> now. This is, I'm telling you, we're we're getting to those points again. The sons of patriots, the sons of liberty, outcasts, it might be all of us. All right. We're gonna get to some point, and the sons of liberty are gonna come back.
3: Well, I think the sons of liberty are already here, and I think I'm talking to two of them right now. And I know your audience has many sons and daughters of the American Revolution and even the Civil War in there. Mm -hmm. We are all of us. We are all of us sons and daughters of liberty. And we are being taught a very valuable lesson about what happens when, for generations, we, we lay aside our civic duty to know what's going on in our community locally and at the state level and at the federal level. Um, if you've ever read the Five Thousand Year Leap by W. Cleon Skozen, the I have the book. The second or third, the second or third principle says that the founders knew that the people had to elect good and wise leaders. Good and wise leaders, and I turned around. See, I used that book in one of my classes, and I I had them write up. The, the item out of each one of these principles that struck them. And I turned around and asked them, why would we need to elect good and wise leaders? And they they all kind of got this blank look on their face. And I said, wait a minute, let's flip this around and look at the other way. What is the opposite of wise? And someone said foolish. So I wrote it up on the board. And I said, and what is the opposite of good? And someone else said evil. And I said, so now can you see the difference between electing wise and good leaders or foolish and evil leaders. Mm -hmm. Do we not already have Mm -hmm. a fool in the white house?
5: It's beyond foolish. It's, it's, it's comical. It's insane. It's, um, outcast help me out here. You know how I feel about this stuff. It's, it's crazy (laughs) that, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're going through a, a, um, a ritual right now. They're putting us through a humiliation ritual. Um, to see how we're going to react wake up, or,
1: or a wake up ritual.
5: Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. let go on run with that for a second. Cause um, I'm fed up.
1: I mean, yeah, just to, just to pontificate for a second here. Um, you know, one of the things I can't help, but think about right now when we think about nine 11 and the anniversary of it is um, the, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or fact, but uh, Werner von Braun's uh, caregiver who does, took his deathbed confessional and he said that the, the government was planning a series of fear events to herd humanity towards a one world government takeover yep okay
3: mm-hmm. so you that look
1: too. at yeah so you look at september 11th and you go holy cow i mean if there was ever a fear event that they, they were account- going to accomplish some major goals uh you know to hurt us in that direction they did it another thing that's interesting mm-hmm. is warner von braun said, supposedly said you know that uh, the final stage—you'll know you're in the final stage of the takeover or the or the one world takeover when they launch Project Bluebeam, which they're going to use holograms in the sky. Well, that was a long time ago that he said that. I think it's entirely possible that what the, that people on the ground actually did—some of them did see planes hit the building, but they were holographic, possibly. Um, well, yeah, that that's
3: there. entirely but, possible.
1: Yeah, and then the yeah. other part of it too. I mean, because if Warner Brothers brought because the tech that they have is years of what we're aware of, uh, first mm-hmm. of all. Then, then let's talk about the, the, the NSA and the gathering of in, intel. I may be beating this drum again on repeat, and I apologize, but I, <clears throat> it's fascinating to think that both white hats and black hats are looking at that data, and it's helping them wage their war, both of them. But what's funny to me, comical, is that if the black hats are looking for the next fear event by listening to us on our phones every day, and they're going okay. Our main motor uh, motor for for running fear is the media, and then they exhaust everybody at the media, and everybody goes, "I don't watch the news anymore." Everybody, <clears throat> nobody watches it. Right. right? Yep. That that <laughs> can you think? Can you imagine these evil diabolical people that have a contingency plan for every evil event that they're planning cannot control the human mind and what we're buying and what we're not buying into. So when you know they put a puppet present up there that that gaslights us and people go. Pfft. That's not a president. That's a joke, right? And then how does that make them feel? I mean, they're just freaking out, trying to figure out, but that also makes them dangerous. Sorry, I'm I'm kind of just running free flow here when I'm thinking about Mm, this. Yeah. I want our listeners to really consider if they're listening to everything, yes, that's scary, but it's also comical because they can't control what we're thinking and we're waking up like crazy and they're going Right. Uh, what are we going to try next? We, yes. we, we rolled out our big card, the UFOs, and nobody's buying it. Nobody cares. Everybody says, yeah, whatever. Nobody cares. They go, try something else.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. Let's
1: go back to the script book. Uh, <laughs> let's grab the script. Uh, how about COVID again? Okay, let's try COVID yeah. again. <laughs> they're all but over see, the place trying to get us to be afraid.
3: But that's the thing, Outcast, right. is not only – see, that's, that's the really cool thing. Thank God COVID came along. And I'm, and I'm going to say it that way because there were so many serendipitous events that came out of that. COVID comes along, our school system shut down, so parents can now see what their children are learning online in Zoom classes, and the mama bears come out of the woodwork, followed very closely yeah. by the papa bears saying, uh-uh, we're not doing this. Then what else happens? We find out that our doctors and our nurses don't give a damn about our health. The the hospitals jab up everyone they can in sight, and now they're whining and crying and complaining they don't have enough nurses and doctors. Crimea River um, that we know the socialist healthcare system is completely totally bankrupt. Well, now we're seeing it for real. We know that insurance is a scam. Well, it turns out if anybody is um, keeping an eye on Edward Dowd. Um, and some of the um, interviews that he does, he has an insider at one of the life insurance companies that says we're, we're going to we're offloading all of our life insurance policies for people that we're pretty sure we jabbed because we're going to lose our ass on them. Yeah. So the life insurance companies are going to go belly up. Yep. That means the health insurance companies are going to go belly up because they're not going to be able to afford to pay for all of these people who have been jabbed and injured and, and you know, um, disabled. So there are so many serendipities about this. What happened after, I, I, I love Rush Limbaugh. I was a very faithful listener for most of the 33 years he was on the air. And don't you find it interesting that he was on the air for 33 years?
5: 33. A mis- Don't Masonic you find number. it
3: interesting? Don't you find it interesting that on the day he died, February the seventeenth, twenty twenty-one, there was that the the number of people doing podcasts, either on YouTube, Rumble was just a baby back then. Yeah. I think Bitchute was just a teeny tiny little creature. Rush goes and dies, and then what happens? That mantle of Talking about what's going on in the political economy day after day after day falls to all the young people. It One dispersed. Of my favorite people. It dispersed. It, it took it took Russia's entire audience and went boom. Boom. Yep. And so, what did we have over the last two and a half years? We've had hundreds and thousands of podcasters and citizen journalists, and you know, thank God for James O'Keefe. <clears throat> OMG Media. I love that. Yeah. He's fearless. Um, He's a, he's a fearless fighter. And, and so what we have seen is the, the mainstream media complex is completely obliterated. I think I looked at stats today, total watchers on Fox news, total watchers, a million and a half people, Mm -hmm. a million and a half on Fox. You gotta be kidding me. That's stupid. Just shut it down. Nobody's watching the mainstream media. We're getting all of our news from citizen journalists and podcasts here and audios there. The deep state has lost.
5: Yeah, independent media is where it's at now.
3: We've, that's right. And, and that's part of our job, right? Your job and Sean Brooks and other people like Dave Janda, our job is to get the information out, yeah. to, to talk with people to communicate what's going on as best that we can from, from our eyes. Well, you know, so
7: this
3: is, this is wonderful because let's say, let's say just for a moment that the deep state is listening to us right now. Do they hear fear?
2: No. Do they hear us
3: being fearful? No. No. And if they're watching me, they can see me, give them a middle finger. I'll do it. I'll do it off camera.
5: I just gave him, I just gave him two on camera.
3: Come and take it, you sons of bitches. Try it. Yeah. Because the thing the thing that we all are beginning to realize, all of us, in this country and across the world, is that there are millions, millions more of us than there are of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Millions. Once and now we're uniting.
5: Once the people understand and realize that, that's when they're in big trouble. And as we said before, Outcast in the show a bunch of times. It's not us, me, you, Robin that are going to lead this right now. We're the, we're the canary in the coal mine. Okay. We're all canaries. What's going to happen is these, these people who are not red pilled fully yet, when it clicks and it turns them on, those are the dangerous ones. We're just out here, dis- uh, you know, putting information out, disseminating information, dangerous information. Uh-huh. That's where the show came from. You know, uh-huh. and, and like you're saying, Rush Limbaugh, he died just a few months before the debut of this show, the same year, 2021, wow. uh, in September, we're, we're, we're just about to hit our two year mark, uh, next week. And we started this show just months after he died. Remember that outcast and, yeah,
2: yeah,
5: you know, so, so what you're saying, Robin is, it's crazy. This it, we're we're talking about the great awakening here and I had, I've, I've got a really great, um, a comment going back to you, uh, Outcast on what you said. This is from Love by the Moon over on Pilled. She says fear isn't a liar, is it, Outcast? Now, Outcast, this is our caller that we had in I had a Saturday night show, you guys. You can go check that out later. But she she was our caller from the other night. She's watching us now, a completely different show from what I did Saturday. But she knows, man, fear is a liar. She's been in some situations, you know, with her phone call where she felt she looked fear in the face and we're all going to face this mm-hmm. coming up in the future. It's just building and building so, and bubbling.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when she called in, it was a supernatural conversation, correct? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that that's a, that's a very, very good point that she brings up because it's funny. I was listening to a, a podcast just today about it. If Christians, okay. So Christians have been deeply led astray by who in my humble opinion uh, the 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 deep state actors, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, they own the media, they own television, they own the movies, and they've been convincing us that we're uh, uh, oopsie daisy monkeys made from a big bang. Okay, and we have no special value, and because of evolution, that's the proof that they need to, that the Bible is a fairy tale and blah 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 blah. But if what they're saying is a lie, which it most likely is. And we are spiritual beings. We are endowed with uh, amazing abilities given to us by our Creator and by Jesus Christ Himself. He, he gave us the same the same gifts that that He used when He left. Um, that's you should not be afraid of evil. I mean, even in a, in not just like evil in governments, but I'm saying in a supernatural setting, which I think the governments are being controlled by supernatural forces. But that's up for debate. However, you, however you want to look at it. But she brings up a great point. Evil always uses fear to control us. In the government situation but even if in a practical situation if, if a if a, a pastor is trying to uh, expel a demon from somebody that demon is going to say the most you know he's going to make promises that he's going to he's going to get you and kill you and all this stuff but really at the end of the day they cower at the name of jesus christ most people watch they watch all the hollywood movies about possession and they go oh I, I don't want to ever be in that situation Ooh, it's scary it's like why are you afraid if you're a child of god you should be afraid of nothing Yep. So she's bringing up a really interesting point. You're tying in a supernatural conversation into a, a practical government conversation. But the, the, the game plan is the same. If you recognize your power and your authority, nobody's going to trample on you. Not in the spiritual realm and not in the physical realm either, right? Nobody can take you until your appointed time anyways. God's not going to allow anybody. Look at Bifurmec, right? Yeah, your a, brother. At the at Yeah. Nobody's going to take you until it's your appointed time. Boom. There
2: That's
1: you right. And am sorry. And it's
3: not, up, it's not up to the devil. You have a choice.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Just it,
3: like Jesus did when he was standing on the mountain. Jesus had a choice. He he could have gone with the devil. He could have said, yeah, give me the, yeah, heck yeah. Give me all the uh, kingdoms of the earth. Oh, jeez. But what, what did he choose? He looked the devil in his face and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Yeah. I don't want you.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and just thinking off the top of my head about that, Robin, it's interesting because he, he wasn't tempted by anything on this plane because he knew that the greater was beyond this, right? So, so that if you, uh-huh. if you look at that story for one second and you really ponder it, you should not be clinging to anything that's here. And that means a free meal from the government, free housing from the government, and, and for them to and waiting for them to endow you with some kind of rights. It, nothing here yeah. matters the battle is beyond what is raging is a spiritual war all around us and everything that you see with governments and everything else is just evil in play right and some good people in play too uh, you, and when we're and when you pray daily i'm telling you pray for the good leaders around the world that have been villainized and criminalized because they're a threat and also pray for the evil ones that they'll repent and that they'll they'll be stopped i mean god doesn't he put all the chess pieces in place the good the good That's ones and right. the bad ones Right. Sorry. That's I'm right, out of rant. I'm sorry. That's
5: awesome. No, no, no it's fine. it's great. It's the, great. The thing is, yep. is
3: the devil has been waging a psyop war against us since the beginning. The Amen. entire time the devil has been here, it's always been a psyop war. It's just that now we can see it. Yep. You now know, it's very clear to those of us who are awake what the PSYOP see my cat just walked away <laughs> yeah now well, it's very clear what I'm the gonna sh- war is
5: yeah that's bruce you guys that's our uh, oh. dangerous mascot right there that's 25 pound oh. bruce <laughs> that, that cat's a beast
1: <laughs> he, my cat's bigger than your toddler
2: <laughs> yeah
5: that's awesome he's great so okay robin <laughs> your
3: cat's um, bigger than three of mine <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh robin let's get back Look, it, Let, let's get back on track we have about 20 minutes left Why don't you bring us, bring us in for a good, strong landing. Yeah. Time goes fast when you're having fun. So, um, bring bring us in, tell, tell us where you want to go.
3: I think the only place that we can go with this, with this particular show tonight is to remind people first, who's got your back. Right. Yeah. And second is to be very skeptical about what you see out in the media. Um, One of the tricks that uh, politicians and their cohort media like to pull is using the Overton window um, to focus on items that the public can accept. Now, um, if you know anything about Joseph Overton, he was a Michigander. Yeah. He was the co-founder of the, Mackinac Mackinac Center for Public Policy, I think is the title of it. And Overton came up with this idea that that politicians do not introduce ideas that are unpalatable to their constituents. So a politician will keep an ear cocked to what the um the public is talking about and what they are willing to accept in this Overton window. It's literally a window that moves up and down the scale between freedom and tyranny. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite people to read lately over the last year is a Substack writer by the name of Burning Bright, and he's on. Um, he's part of the Badlands Media Productions, and he came up with a little side, a little side story about Overton's window and he called it Overton's goalpost. So so Burning Bright on Substack, Overton's goalpost. Now Overton's goalpost is the story that the media tells you about where the Overton window is somewhere between freedom and tyranny. And so if you pay very close attention, you will notice that the New York Times came out either yesterday or the day before with with an opinion about why are we still having Joe Biden in the White House? Now that's, to me, the New York Times and the Atlantic are two lefty journal papers that basically send out memos, Rush Rush Limbaugh's famous 4 a.m. talking points, But they are the they are the like the town caller to the liberal, liberal, liberal left. And um, they're the ones that are saying this is the direction that we have to go. We got to throw Joe Biden under the bus. He's taking the whole Democrat Party down. We're never going to be able to survive into 2024 with him. So they're getting ready to toss him. So Overton's goalpost is the media telling the story about where that Overton window is. And the Overton window, in my opinion, for a lot of things, has been pushed so far down close to tyranny that we're sitting on the basement. Yeah. But all of us in the Patriot Army and the Digital Army, we're pushing that Overton window back up so that those items that used to be unpalatable, like pedophilia, that the lefties are trying to normalize are going to once again become unpalatable and undesirable. Does that make any sense? It does, yeah. So we can, yep. we can, so there are, in other words, there are signals. And um, what would you call it? If you're doing, if you're playing poker, it would be a tell, right? You can see what's going on, it's the telling- way the media wants to push the herd. By the stories that they're telling. Um, for example, a week or so ago, when this whole idea about masking came up, um, Fox News had a had a little stint with their outnumbered gals, and they were talking about how masks really didn't work, and they they kind of went around the curvy couch talking about their little mask stories. And I I, I saw that and I thought, but you assholes pushed that.
5: Yeah, they were part of it. Yeah,
3: you. You, you were part of this. Don't, don't sit there and lecture to me about how masks don't work when two years ago, three years ago, you were telling me I couldn't possibly live without one. Yep. So, so the good point is now, is that there are so many more people aware of what the mainstream media is trying to shove down our throats that they're turning aside, going, nope, I'm not gonna, I'm not playing anymore. Take your stupid game and shove it up your ass. <clears throat>
5: they're going to have to come up with a new scheme because these ones aren't working. They know it. And, you know, they talk, don't
3: have any more schemes. Talking, they tried aliens yeah. this earlier this summer and that went nowhere.
5: <laughs> but they're going to try it again. They're going to try it again. They of won't stop. They are. Yeah. So they, they have a few things they're going to they u- try to use and come back and, and back and forth. They'll try to do it again. And, you know, it's not going to work again. So, that means, right. that means that means the things are gonna get escalated up to a point where it's gonna be something big. They have to go for another big giant fear event because they have to move that Overton window. okay? Now right. the Overton window we always talk about here on the show a lot is how can we move the Overton window in our advantage, right? and i I think I think what it is is memes. <laughs> as simple as that yeah. is, I think it's memes. Memes meme them are, until
3: they cry. Oh my gosh, and then meme them crying.
5: The modern day memes are old day hieroglyphics. Okay, so these yeah. memes that these geniuses, you know, I try as hard as I can to come up with some of these memes, but these whoever's doing these memes, these little kids in these old chat rooms and all that stuff, they have the best <laughs> memes. And 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 let me tell you, the left can't meme. All right, they, the they left don't, can't meme. they cannot do it, they can't come up with an but, effective meme. But but these guys. I'm telling you what, somebody's memeing like crazy and I love it. Don't stop. And if you guys have a witty mind, make your own memes because that's how we win too.
3: But see, those memes tell a story. Oh yeah. How we win is we tell a story of victory. We tell a story of how we've overcome all of the, all of the barriers and all of the fear that these deep staters have been trying to push on us for generations. And so all we need to do is we just need to keep telling the story of how we've all, we've already won. Mm-hmm. We, the reason that I know we've already won is if, if the deep state had won, do you think any of us would be alive? No. Sitting here? Nope. Enjoying a show? No, we would, we would all be in the concentration camp with, camp with Bruce Kowalski.
5: <laughs> yeah. They're trying to put us there still. That, but
3: that's your, yeah. Kowalski. Yeah. Well, they're, <laughs> We're, we're not there. No. We're not there, and we're not dead, and and we have recognized the, the BS that they're trying to shove at us, and we're saying we're not going to do it again. My prediction is this COVID 2.0, it's not going to go anywhere. No. People aren't going to take it up. The um, pharma companies are going to lose billions of dollars, which I hope they go under very soon. And I think you're right, Jesse. They're going to try and pull another big fear event but how on earth, how on earth can they make us fear when we're standing back, going, "Don't believe you," still don't believe you. Well, it's not still us. Don't believe you. Yeah,
5: it's it's those lost sheep that are still in the middle that are watching TV. That's who they're trying to fear. They're just trying there's to. Not
3: that many of them. Well, I think there's I, really not that.
5: I think there's enough. Really, there's. Yeah, I still well, think there's enough to at least well, mess with the the edges of the Overton window. I I still believe that, but. Um,
3: maybe, but I, I'm thinking there's a lot fewer sheep. I'm thinking the deep state is hoping there's lots of sheep when really there isn't.
5: Right. And we're which gonna, is why
3: their next thing is going to fail too.
5: And we're going to find out cause we're going to be here.
3: That's right. You know, so we're so. still here.
5: <laughs> All right. So listen, I have, you sent me a few photos and a video, um, okay. Now this is going back to the whole 9/11, the day of 9/11, <clears throat> September mm-hmm. 2001. What do you let, let's go with the photos first. and do you want to okay um, it, it, talk about what's going on here? I'm going to take us over to a photo screen, and our outcast is going to love this. You ready, guys? Here we go. It's way too loud. It blew out my eardrums. but <laughs> anyway, all right, so let's talk about the strength of planes in their wings. Do you want to go into that, Robin, and tell us about what happened? Just just the strength of playing Wings. Oh, hold on, you guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to bring her audio up. Hold on. Outcast, can you hear me? <laughs> Let me go back, you guys. Let me go back. All right, Robin, hold on one second, Robin. Robin. Hold on. I had to there come, I had to come back to this okay. screen because that there screen, yeah, that screen didn't work. So I had okay. to come back. So, um, I'm going to have to do something okay. on the fly. Cause your audio was not working on the other screen. Don't ask me why. Yeah. Um, let me, uh, go ahead and talk, talk about the, the, whatever you were saying there, talk again. I'll try to pull up an image.
3: Well, I think most people know yeah. if they've been around planes or if they've flown on planes, that the skin of a plane is very, very, um, thin aluminum and the structure of a plane, what holds it, you know, that the frame of a plane is also very thin aluminum. So you're basically flying aluminum. It's not strong enough to go through steel. And especially the steel on the World Trade Center towers. When Donald Trump came on um, the morning of 9-11, 2001 and talked with WWOR TV, he was saying there's no way that planes could have flown through, crashed through the steel structure of the World Trade Center because that that trade that that building was built to withstand a, an, an impact of, I think a seven forty seven. So it, there's no way that a plane could fly that an aluminum plane could fly through the structure of, a, of steel that had been, that was literally the cage around the building. And so, um, one of the, one of the pictures that I sent you is a picture of, um, a wing of a plane, not going through a telephone pole a steel telephone pole the the steel telephone pole basically was about to shear off the wing because the the plane the, the wings are not strong enough the plane is it's like a cigar tube maybe a little stronger than that but it's it's no more it, it's no more stronger than that going through steel and so there's just no way planes went through those steel girders and, on the world trade center yeah
5: and and to show what you right here. I'm going to put it right here in between all of us, right? So I want to show you guys. Okay. Yeah. I, I found a workaround, so I don't have to go to that old screen again, but um, right here, okay. you guys. Now tell there me, you there you go right there. So what we have here is a plane wing hitting a light pole. And it says, remember when they claimed aircraft wings cut through a mesh of reinforced steel beams? There you go right there. What's right. going on? And that's at low speed. Right. This is at very low speed, meaning the pressure uh-huh. is gonna be, you know, more force there, um, more, more. Um, uh, what am I trying to say, Outcast? Here, uh, when you go through something fast, it's like striking through. I in karate, I, I used to break wood with my fist and everything. So if you go too slow, you're not gonna break it. If you go real fast, you'll break it. But uh-huh. we're talking about very thin material here. Uh, don't yeah. uh, Outcast. Don't birds on takeoff. Take you know they oh, hit crush. they hit a flock yeah. of geese it crushes in the front nose of these planes come on now yeah. I, I work know. with aluminum every day I know how thin the, the aluminum is
3: yeah at the well, very least if those planes had had truly hit the towers at the very least you would have seen a smashed up accordion plane up against the side of the wall with the landing gear falling down on the ground yeah that's the very least you would have seen right and we didn't see that.
1: Mm.
5: yeah yeah okay so what do you have to say yeah. about this picture and kind of detail it here in the end here
1: go <laughs> no ahead. i mean it speaks for itself I, I you can't look at it and not understand what it's what's it's illustrating and the other thing too is trump was speaking back then so authoritatively because he oversaw the the building of structures all over new york city and he knew that this what not only what how they build them he knew the codes that they were built under and he's going right this this doesn't make sense yeah he knew right. something was off
2: yeah yeah
5: right? so yeah I'm gonna take that screen that. yeah, I'm gonna take that off and I'm gonna add up another one now the next one um, is a little bit of a longer photo, which means I'll have to scroll up and down but um, I want to read it now or or okay. you can illustrate it uh, it's it's the plane that very famous photo it was a video and it talks about uh, you know when the plane hits the building and it goes it passes by a building. Visually, that's farther back than the trade center, than the tower. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll cast or Professor Robin, if you want to go ahead and start, and I and I can read the bottom, but go ahead and explain.
3: So, oh man, I I can't even read that writing. It's so tiny. Well, it says CGI plane wing disappears behind the distant building. Yes where the wing should be in front of the building. Yes. I mean, I think the outcast might actually have a, a, I think the idea that this might've been a holographic image is, is correct. Um, I've seen a lot of these different, um, CGI type of breakdowns of the, the, the planes planes hitting the building and, that's what makes me more and more convinced that this was just a sham Mm -hmm. that these buildings were, were rigged to blow with, um, I don't know, thermite or something. Nanothermite. Not dynamite, but (laughs) something that would, something that was stronger. And if you, if you remember, there's a very famous photo of, I think it was the following day on the 12th of September. It's a very famous photo of one of the girders, on the ground and it sheared off at an angle
5: yeah straight nice like okay now it's
3: (laughs) nice straight almost like something some wire was wrapped around it at a certain angle so it would shear down
5: yeah what you're talking about there yeah i've seen that picture a lot of times and what that is is they set those charges those blast charges when they bring buildings down Mm -hmm. they set them on angles Mm -hmm. for what they need that part of the building to do so when they need that part right. of the building to fall in its own footprint, into its footprint, they will angle. So those charges, uh, they're, they're, what they are is like, um, they're, they're charges that are long. Is it, depending on how long the girder is, that's how long those charges will be. And they have a wire going on each end to go, you know, mm-hmm. in chain. It's just, it's like electrical. If you guys are used to electrical work, think of a circuit. But this charge is the circuit. So there's a wire coming on one okay. side, and it charges. You know, so they set them on angles. And what you're saying, uh, Robin, is if you look closely, I mean, you don't have to look closely. It's right there. They're all cut on
2: perfect angles
5: from one girder to the next girder to the next girder. It's one straight line. Perfect. Now, also, if you slow down uh, where where that first building starts crumbling down and starts exploding on the edges, you'll see blasts. Boom, boom, boom at the edges. Little blasts as the building is falling, you'll see blasts. Boom, boom, boom all the way down. I saw that a lot of people do not want to recognize or, 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 or see that, you know, it, I don't know. There, there's so many ways we can go. And,
3: and, and do you know why they don't want to recognize and see that?
5: Cause they're comfortable. Cause that
3: means, well, it's so much more comfortable to think that we've got some enemy halfway around the world that's willing to blow up our buildings. Yeah. Yep. It's much less comfortable to, to look, to look at your own government or people within your own government and say, my God, they're out to kill us. The
5: enemy is here on our ground talking to us every day. That's where the enemy yeah. is at. Yeah. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay.
2: Well, it's
1: just, it's not apples to apples necessarily, but it is tied in. I remember, um, I met a, uh, an Afghan, uh, soldier who was in Afghanistan. He was a veteran and this, I can't remember how long ago, this was 10 or 12 years ago. And he said, do you want to know what I was doing in Afghanistan? I'm like, I don't know what are you what were you doing? He goes, I was guarding poppy fields. Yes. I remember. And I was like, Yeah. I was like wow. I was like, what what what? And then he didn't say much more. He let me just stew on that. And I was just like, oh man, that made my brain hurt. Cause I'm like, so you're you're telling me the US government are drug dealers? He goes, All I'm telling you, man, is my job was to guard poppy fields. So when you realize yeah. once that was a wake up for me, I was like, holy cow, once you can accept one thing. The whole thing falls on. I really badly wished I, I mean, at the time I was thinking, I didn't want to hear that. Yeah. But of course I can't not. unhear it.
5: Oh, um, right. right. I can't unhear it. I'm going to, um, uh, before we go to the next video here, I'm going to read what's at the bottom of that picture that you, 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 you were talking about here with the, the wings where they should be in front of the building, not behind it. Talking about the CGI. So <clears throat> can you see that now? I'll, I'll read it out loud. If, yeah. if you can't see it, it says you guys right here, listen. Above is a sequence of frames from a video broadcast worldwide showing showing the United uh, Airlines flight 175 when it allegedly hit the South World Trade Center tower on nine eleven. The plane in the um the plane in the video includes a layered computer generated imagery, CGI, of an airliner. We know that because the airliner's wing can be seen Passing beyond the distant building. That anomaly is caused by a CGI layering glitch. I know what they're talking about because I use layers on some of my things that I have to do. Uh, The wing of an actual aircraft would have passed in front of that building. No airplane struck the World Trade Center Twin Towers on 9-11. But the CGI airplane video was widely broadcast as a proof that the Twin Towers were destroyed by airliners striking the buildings on 9-11. It was a conspiracy meaning planned by more than two people uh, that included uh-huh. the mass media. Now I'm going to get that out of our way so we can, they can see yeah. us. So, um, wow. L- why don't we get to this video right now? Uh, because okay. we are yeah. at our nine o'clock time and we are Sorry about over. that guys. That's all right. Hey, I didn't mean fault.
2: to.
1: <laughs> no, we were all talking. No, it's not your fault.
5: Um, all right, let's go to this video now that you sent me and it's going to start and, and I will stop it. Um, Okay, there we go. I will stop it so that you can talk pre-talk about it, okay? okay. I want to make sure can everybody hear this? Okay. All right. So,
3: you're going to have to okay.
5: right there. So see the spires. No, yeah.
3: Can you guys hear see us? The spires. Yeah, they can hear. Us. Go ahead. Okay, so see the spires that are just to the left of outcast and my's picture. Watch those spires. The next couple of seconds,
5: and, and what she's watch talking what about
3: happens to them.
5: What she's talking about spires, you guys, is the leftover. There's like an antenna, or it looks like an I antenna.
3: Can't hear, I can't yeah, hear I can't. Jesse. Oh, can't hear there Jesse we go. You. Sorry, sorry, Jesse. sorry. Can you
5: can you hear me now? There we go. Okay. okay. So what you're talking yeah, about is those the, the antenna type of things sticking up right there. Um, sorry, podcast right. listeners, you can't see this, but you can always go back and watch. Anyway, let's go in, in, yeah. a, in about the 12 to 15 second mark here. Watch what yeah. happens. It's going va- to just vaporize. It's going to vaporize into nothing. Uh-huh. You can see large pieces of the building falling. You can see the smoke rising. You can see a portion of the, the, the side of the building now just being covered on the right there side. It as goes. I look at it. It, it turned to dust. Smoke. Did you see it? it what, happened? Guess what happened? What happened?
3: it turns
5: to smoke. dust. Look, look, I'm moving what it. What is that? Look, I'm moving it Dude, back and forth.
3: That is crazy.
5: Can you viewers? Now, you, I
3: showed this to my students today and they just their brains were just poof.
2: Yeah. Steel. Steel,
5: steel does not turn to it dust. Vaporize. <laughs> unless there's an an, an additive or an added active ingredient to make it turn to dust like that. Look. There's look so- at it.
1: But there's not even any fire around it. It's no. Not like there's, it's no. Not like it,
5: there's no fire? No. It, it goes no. to dust. Now, think of weapons that we use from Raytheon, Lockheed Martin. Think of all the stuff mm-hmm. that the military industrial complex has, Outcast.
3: Right.
5: Think about what happened in Maui. Think about what happened in Tur- so, Turkey and all around the world. That's right. What's going on? Look at that.
3: So... So oh my all of the all of the ex all of the experts I've been reading about what happened in Maui. It was dew weapons, it was laser this, it was laser that, it was laser something else, but it wasn't lasers. What do you think? Really? So, I think it was lasers. <laughs> yes. I think we've I done think shows on it. Yeah. Can, I think a laser that can burn through a house and turn a washing machine and a clothes dryer and a and a dishwasher to dust is not a regular fire. Yep. That's yeah, that's what I think.
1: Yeah, and melt so, glass and, and melt aluminum engine heads.
5: Well, well, here's that's the,
3: right. Yeah, and, and but not blue tarps. That's
5: the thing. It's right. like you know, we started dispersing <laughs> blue tarps all around. So you know, get 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 down to the hardware store and get some blue tarps because I gotta um,
3: get me a blue tarp. It, it's wild.
5: Yeah. You, okay, so. Go all ahead. the
3: evidence is in front of our face. Yeah. The problem that most people have as they're beginning to wake up is the disbelief that, that their government is out to kill them. Government is supposed to be here to help. Isn't that how we were all raised? Gov- I'm yep. from the government. I'm here to help.
5: Well, that's what the Ronald Reagan most war- warned us about. The
3: nine words in the English language.
5: Yeah, that's what that's Ronald a, Reagan warned us about. I don't want any help.
1: That's a bitter, bitter pill for a normie to swallow. That's tif- That's very difficult stuff to
5: yeah. accept. Hey. Right. Um, but, what, but once you right. see it, you can't see it. Robin, for sure. yeah, Robin, I like your sarcasm. It's good. <laughs> it's good, yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> no, so... We know, though, that all of these false flags, we know that these false flags kill people. We know that people have died. Yes. We know that people have been hurt. Look at all the thousands of people that died during 9-11. And beyond that, look at all of the people who were disabled with um, poison in their lungs from the asbestos and such, from the dust that was supposed to be okay to breathe.
5: Mm -hmm, That's fine.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... But the the point is, is all of these things are done in order to make us cower in fear. And the faster we can get people to the point where they are unafraid and they're standing on their own two feet and we're standing shoulder to shoulder. I have people on my left and people on my right and we're not gonna back down. No, We're not ever gonna back down. We're never gonna quit. And these SOB deep staters, you better run. There's no place to hide. You will be brought to justice sooner or later. That's my message amen. to them. If they're amen. listening,
1: yeah. amen. And and you know people are going to have they have to get to a point where they realize either you are going to be subjugated or or murdered by these people. Okay, you might as well yeah. stand up and fight because what they have planned for you right. is going to be mis- is misery. And if and if you if you live and if you die, so what do you got to lose? Stand up, right? Just stand up.
5: Yeah. Fear not. Fear not good people. So Outcast, uh, I want you to hear your, uh, outgoing message for Robin tonight before she heads out.
1: Well, earlier you had asked me about part of my, uh, church hunt experience and, and leaving my church and stuff. And I just wanted to just tell a little encouraging, interesting thing that happened to me, uh, a week ago. So in my process of being churchless and, uh, visiting different churches and trying to find something that fits, I, um, uh, you know, I was praying, and I'm going, God. I feel like I'm getting a little distant in my walk because I don't have a home, family, church family, and I don't have a Bible study that I really enjoyed anymore. And and I got this very very clear message in my heart that was Him, God saying to me, um, "I need you to be able to stand on your own two feet. You don't need to be reliant on a church. Not not that not there is a place for the church. I'm not trying to discount all churches. I'm just saying for right now, I want you to be grounded in your faith without being. Um, shepherded that way. You have to be able to do it on your own. I was like, okay, right. I hear you loud and clear. All right. I got to be able to do my own Bible study without having a Bible study leader. And then um, I was visited a church that I liked and I thought I'm going to go back. It's called Path of Revelation. It's right my neighbor. It's a very baby plant church. I was one of like 12 adults, but man, fiery preaching coming from this guy, uh, Pastor Gabriel Parker. And um, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go back to that church, Lord. But I mean, I, you're going to have to, speak to me loud and clear. I I need to see fruit. Help me to be wise and discerning to the people I'm encountering at this very small church for the fruit that they bear. Help me to be aware of that. So I get there, and right off the bat, Pastor Gabriel starts his sermon. He says, listen, I am more than happy to be your shepherd. That's my job as a pastor, is to shepherd you as a congregation. But don't rely on me. I want you to be self-sufficient. I want you to stand on your own two feet and read the Bible on your own. and And I was like, Holy cow, that's exactly what God told me, right? Next thing you know, he goes into his main bulk of his sermon. He's he's reading from um, John 15, which is uh, the vine and the branches, and it talks all about bearing fruit. That's what he preached on that day was bearing fruit. And I was just like, every time I pray and ask for a sign, he clobbers me over the head with it. So I (laughs) guess my, if that doesn't amaze you guys, I don't know what will, but I just want to tell you guys, anybody out there listening, ask and you you will receive knock and the door will be answered you have to ask god for clarity say listen i'm listen i'm thick-headed sometimes you're gonna have to beat me over the head but what do you got to what are you telling me and you have to be have enough of a prayer life that you can hear him respond when you ask you Mm -hmm. have to stop asking for stuff or or for you know immediate solutions to your problems but rather for wisdom and discernment and revelations ask you have to be asking actively for Um, clarity and for his will to be played out in your life and for his guidance for what's best for you, what you think is best for you, you might be off course. He's the one that closes Mm -hmm. doors and opens doors. And usually it's the most appropriate. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is in the journey for my church, uh, I'm asking for signs and boy, is he delivering. So when your, your prayer life doesn't say, God, find me the church that I need to be at. And I said, God, give me the wisdom to understand which church I should be at. To give me, you know, help me to see the sign, you know, and then he'll communicate. So, don't be shy, ask for that wisdom, don't ask for instant solutions to your problems, but rather ask for the wisdom. So, anyways, that's my closing comments. I don't know how cohesive that was, but that's what I want to share.
2: That's
3: awesome. Sounds like you got some fruit.
5: Yeah, that's good. That's good, brother. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, all right. So, Professor Robin McCutcheon, you, Marshall University. Uh, is there anywhere that you want the viewers to go and see you or the listeners go and see you, hear you? Uh, is there something that, uh, you know, a place, uh, I know your website, is it link dash com.
3: Yes. It's link It's L Y N C dash C.com. And it's a, it's a free site. I've got links at the top of the page for all of my radio and uh, podcast interviews I've got my in the classroom lectures, which are all my micro and macroeconomic lectures, and then I've got my freedom lectures, which are my Atlas Shrugged class. And all of this is free for people to go and listen to as many times as they wish. It's part of my gift to humanity. Um, it's just a tiny little piece, but you know, maybe it'll make a difference somewhere.
5: Awesome! Well, I love it. And you and guys, thank yeah. you
3: so much. Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate you letting me spend so much time gabbing your ear off. And Outcast, I I am so thrilled to hear that your brother is recovering well, and I, we will continue to pray for his speedy recovery. Fully.
2: It's
1: so appreciated. Thank you. We covet your prayers, and everybody listening out there. Uh, it moves me to tears to think how everybody rallied around with their prayers like that it's it's powerful and thank you for coming on our show again you always bring the fire you are a beacon of light you are uh wisdom calling in the city the town hall square uh asking people to open their eyes and see and we really appreciate your unwavering dedication to your feather, fellow brothers
3: and sisters out there to help them see the light it's an honor thank you so much
5: well, Doctor Ro- or Professor Thank Robin and Doctor Robin McCutcheon. I mean, <laughs> great, great presentation tonight. It's always fun to talk to you, and and just know that you're always, you know, you're always uh, in our minds here on this show, and you're always going to be uh, a regular guest from uh, you know as time goes on. So let's figure out the next thing. I do want to talk about the Atlas Shrugged. Um, I have the book that's about three inches thick too. And, uh, yes. it, it's hard to get through, but, um, maybe you can help us get, you know, get, get to the, some, some points in that book that helps us relate to what Ian Rand was talking about in those, in, in those words to today, because uh, there's a lot, there's a lot there, you guys. And, uh, it, it's an important book. Oh yeah. And, um, I think you there's are There's so many
3: layers to that onion.
5: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, it was great to see you again. Um, we, we pay attention to where you're at and what you're doing and, uh, Say, say hi to all of our other friends. If you're going on any other shows and, um, you know, we're out here and we're doing this and, um, we're all God's children in this battle right now against, uh, uh, the darkness and the darkness is not going to stop until it's made to be stopped. So thank you, Robin McCutcheon for coming on.
3: Thank you so much, guys. You have a pleasant evening.
5: Thank you. Awesome. Well, there she goes. Outcast. Was that good or what? (laughs)
1: Oh, oh she's always great oh yeah,
5: uh, it was so it's awesome. great time yeah i'm glad she was able to come on again and, and and join us with uh you know everything that she had going so um yeah no i i'm gonna yeah i'll drop that out there so there we go
1: okay. and ham hock always brings the fire in the comments field over here keeping it lively too
5: <laughs> oh yeah he Actually, does got, for sure
1: we got a lively group here we got you know ham Hawk, uh music lover monster mike we've got a, all kinds of interaction
5: yeah and and that's just on twitch you know we have a lot of people right now watching on uh, rumble rumble rumble's got a really great uh crowd going right now i haven't heard from any of them on rumble i'm going to check the rumble rats uh rumble rants uh the gold pills on (laughs) pill foxhole we have a nice rumble
1: rats
5: (laughs) (laughs) maybe they should change it and uh super chat so (laughs) um if you guys want to send us a super super chat to get in on the show i'll be checking those here in just a few minutes but um outcast uh, it seemed like the people over here, we have like, remember I told you about our Saturday show that I did. Um, mm-hmm. now a lot of the new people, there's a lot of new people watching over here, especially on pilled foxhole and over here on, on rumble. Uh, Saturday I did a show. It was a, um, it was called spooky Saturday night. It was not like this show. It was still dangerous info podcast, but it was just a, a spooky Saturday night. And we had, uh, we talked about spooky things, right. And we had a caller on, uh, uh, Love by the Moon, and she came on what I talked about earlier. You guys might have to go back and listen to the whole thing again, but I suggest you guys go back and listen to that. It was just before episode one eleven, which is this one here tonight. Um, and Trusty Turnip, okay, Trusty Turnip was uh, a brand new listener and viewer, so we, we, you know, different day, different time, and everything. We found new people, and the people found us. So uh, it, it's so glad. I'm I'm very glad to. to to connect with new people you guys this is what this is all about so if you're watching wherever you're watching please hit the like button uh if you have a like button hit the share button wherever you have those please do that but um i've got some messages here from well trusty turnip over here on pills. she sent us a what she sent us she sent us a cookie (laughs) outcast. so i'm gonna split it in half and give you half of it it says uh from trusty turnip she gifted a cookie love dr robin uh great guest jesse so yeah and this is Outcast. You were here, uh Trusty, you were here the other day on Saturday. This is Outcast who I was telling you guys about. Uh when it, outcast, I did the prayer by myself Saturday awesome. night. I no, love it. Nowhere nowhere near the caliber of your prayers that you do, but I gave it my best and you know it was a protection over the show. So um yeah. it it was it was fun, it was a great show, and I, I when you have time, go back and listen to it.
1: I'm curious I, now, yeah.
5: Yeah, because get get this. All right, so she's she's she used to live in a house right there in Royal Oak, Michigan, in which you're right near. You're you're near there, right? Yeah. yeah. In the call, right? She came up and she told me that there was a black mist in one of the rooms, in, in the bedroom, and it landed on the room or on the bed, and it turned into a gargoyle, a gargoyle. Do you hear what I I'm don't saying? Okay. Now, I hear what
1: you're saying. Yeah, because I, I know somebody else that con- that literally conjured demons. He saw them uh, appear on his chest. He's born again now. But uh, I know that stuff is real. I don't doubt it.
5: Okay, so, also, so also what she told me is that in the backyard, they saw American Indians walking around. She found an arrowhead. Whoa. Yes. Mm. I mean, did... We're talking about these small bungalows, right? In Royal Oak, tell them about Royal Oak. Explain Royal Oak to the people right
1: now. Well, well, I mean, I mean, real quick little history lesson, I guess, would be back in the late, well, yeah, back in the 80s, it was a very sleepy, almost like Mayberry type of little town. There was not much there. There was like a donut shop and a few little things. It was mostly abandoned and a bank in the corner. Yep. Very, very un, un you know, uneventful little town. And then, uh, now come to think of it, this is gonna be interesting. Some avant-garde and or eclectic places started opening. One of them being Noir Leather, which was a punk rock slash fetish uh, bondage shop. Yeah. Very, very noteworthy place. Well, that place, like a beacon, punk rock kids and stuff would converge on Royal Oak to hang out. They would do like a late night on wednesday or thursday night or something and kids would run the streets and then record stores started popping up and other clothing stores and and then it got kind of red hot in the early 90s mid 90s and then by the late 90s early 2000s we joke and called it the world's largest food court now -hmm. they've been demolishing like there was a really there was a really cool um old school movie theater that would show art films they demolished that they're putting in million dollar condos everywhere and now they're changing the, the lane structure and they we found out from a friend of ours who's in politics that they quietly signed Royal Oak up to be a smart city and they've intentionally made horrific traffic, uh, you know, lane decisions and parking decisions to make it unfriendly to businesses, to kill the downtown because their ultimate goal is to create a smart city out of it. So anyways, there's a lot of history with Royal Oak. There's also a a notable large cemetery on one end of town. And in the eighties, I believe they wanted to put a road through it and they, there's supposedly been people seeing a lot of apparitions on that road so very poltergeist accusations are being made that they moved the headstones but they did not move the bodies yeah so um that's another little tidbit about railroad because very old town uh but it, it's it's we've seen a whole ebb and flow of it becoming a gentrified hipster city to turning into a commercial restaurant town to even that dying now for to make way for this new Vision of a fifteen-minute smart city—it's yep. quite quite the saga to, to, to see it unravel.
5: Well, if that's going to be—is a is smart, that too much info? Sorry, no, that's perfect. Because if that's going to be a smart city, well, they've chosen the right city to do that. Because those people in, for the most part, the ones that I've met and been around and, and heard—you know, overheard speaking—they um, will buy right into it. They are the perfect people uh, subjects for a smart city, which is following government, well, complying with everything. Yep taking all the jabs that you yep. can uh guzzling all the uh the mainstream media um you know the fluoride guzzling covid zombies basically is what they are which that's not us this is me right here I'm, I'm a do not comply guy I live out here in a stick so um but I can get down with these people too because i i want those people to wake up to see what's going on I do not I do not want to see humanity taken over by these deep state globalists i I, I hate seeing yep. it brother I hate it
1: Ham Hamhawk says Ferndale was where old ladies used to get their wigs. And he is absolutely correct. When I moved to Ferndale, it was, uh, there was like, I think there was like three or four wig shops. I don't know why. I don't know why. Don't ask me why, but there was wig shops downtown and nothing else could thrive or survive. And then Royal, Ferndale followed suit with Royal Oak because people that didn't want to pay the price of being in Royal Oak were moving to Ferndale. <laughs> yeah. Now we've seen that run. It's like, Oh, it's, it feels like it's already degenerating in Ferndale. Love, uh,
5: love for a minute there. Yeah. Love by the moon. She says, yeah, yuppie city. Um
1: yeah.
2: Yep. She lived in... Does she, agree, does she agree with my assessment? Oh, yeah. What for sure. About yeah, really?
5: it's a prison city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now uh, just, she lived in Sterling Heights for a while. But but yeah. Um, anyway, What w- w- during the show, guess who was watching? There was a lot of people watching, but somebody texted Dr. Sean Brooks. He was watching. Oh, cool. So he's... Yeah, he says uh, a couple things. He says, I'm listening live. Ac- absolutely incredible. And then when you brought your cat, Bruce, on the screen, that giant cat... Yeah. <laughs> Outcast, he said, uh, Dr. Sean says, uh, "Outcast owns a panther. He'd better know it's a panther.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny that he says that because we've had family come visit with us. And one family member is like, it's kind of like, uh it's kind of like you have a bear cub roaming around your house. And then my sister comes and she's like, it's like you have a wild animal walking around your house. So he has that effect on people. They see him and he's just stomping around. He's like, he's that's dirty, awesome, man. He's big. Yeah, yeah that's good. good that's a
5: great cat. And then he sent this. <laughs> he said, um, you guys can't see it, but um he says this was released a year ago to, to perpetuate the plane lie. It's the magic of the current CGI. It's better than the footage you've played on the show here, but equally as false. Also, the footage was taken by an operative to perpetuate the airplane lie. So every year when they have these you know, they come up and they do this with a lot of different events, not just the 9-11, but they do this with a lot of different events. Hollywood is, is is employed to make videos and movies and TV dramas in order to perpetuate and further the lie of the false flag event that they created. So they work hand in hand is what he's saying, is what I'm saying. And what he's he sent here with this video um is exactly that. They just update it so that it looks a little bit better now let's let's all forget about joe biden walking up to the media and his hand goes behind the mic or in front of the microphone it cuts in his hand and all remember that remember all that crap i forgot about
1: that yeah yeah i remember i remember well
5: forget yeah. about that the mainstream media in in these deep staters want you to forget about that and just eat eat the mainstream media cereal so pour some milk on it get your big spoon and shove it down your throat Nope, that's not us that's not the dangerous info podcast that's not the dangerous Info Family. And we love you guys for that. So, Outcast, before we get going, we're we're beyond past time. We're almost a half hour beyond. Why don't you give the good people uh, uh, something forward or something to look forward to this week? A positive message for them. If you got something well, to say, yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, I, I I was I thought I was done, but I can say something else here too. You don't uh, have to. It's up to you, brother. But no, I, I had the pleasure of meeting. Um, okay, so my my Biffer Mac, my brother, who yeah. we, we've been praying for. He, he had started a text thread with some people from his church, including me and Cheryl E. And there's a guy in there, a young guy named Mick. And, and he put him on the, he said, Mick listens to the podcast too. And, uh, he thinks like you, and it's hard to put a face to a name. I don't know who Mick is. He's on the text thread, right? Well, I visited, uh, John, my, my brother Biffermex, um, his church, uh, to, to show gratitude for everybody there that was praying for him. And I got to meet Mick and Mick is only like 35 years old. He's a young guy. And um, he's a really cool cat. And he, I, he could keep up and on every level with deep conspiracy on everything. And I think I blew his mind on a few things, but he blew my mind with something. I was talking about that yoke, uh, the yoke of Christ. And when yep. I was younger, I thought, well, Jesus, is, he's, he's driving, and I'm pulling the yoke. And I was a little worried about that yoke. And I realized it's, my life is easier with the yoke, so I don't know what i waited waited so long for. But I also realized that if Jesus is the other person... Did you lose me?
5: Yeah, hold on one second. I'll put you right back in. You're good. Go ahead.
1: Okay. So, uh, so then I'm like saying, yeah, but then I realized that Jesus is on the other end of the yoke, and He's making it easier for me to pull because the yoke levels out the strength of the two. If I'm weak, Jesus is pulling, right? But then, then Mick said this, and it, and it blew my mind. He goes, Yeah, brother, but think about like think about it like this. Jesus is steering the yoke, and He's steering you onto it, onto the straight path, not your crooked path. Well, it's funny because when I pray on a regular basis, I say, you know, God, thank you for guiding me onto the straight and narrow path and being a lamp for my at my feet on that path. And then Mick said, he's steering you." And then he said, you know, there's the eye of the needle that, that, that they talk about in the Bible. One of the concepts is there was a, one of the entrances to the city was a narrow gate. And they called it the eye of the needle because your, your camel would actually have to stoop down to get into it. But he said, you can't thread the needle if your thread isn't straight. So when, mm. when Jesus is guiding you, when Jesus is guiding you onto the straight and narrow path, he's the guy that's going to guide you through the needle, the eye of the needle. Yeah, and my brain—awesome, my brain's like.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then, um, and and to see Mick, he's he's you know he's a, he's a, he's got a cool look about him. He's got he's a cool guy, but he he's let his hair grow really long and bushy and a big beard. Well, since I think it was since COVID, but since all the this craziness has happened. He was so upset. He he's also had some brushes with the law because of the, it's a long story of the custody battle over his kid, and then uh, police showed up at his house without warrants and tried to arrest him. But he's let his beard grow, beard grow and his hair grow. And he, you know he was reminding me of he made reference to it. He, uh, John the Baptist who lived in the wilderness and ate locusts. Yeah, Mick, Mick, this guy, this 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 kid Mick. I shouldn't call him a kid. He's thirty some years old, but he's like John the Baptist, dude. He's so into his faith. He's so wide open. He knows all the conspiracy stuff that you and I are talking about and more. It's a blast. So this is a shout out to Mick, but also thanks for Mick for adding yet another ingredient to that, that favorite concept that I have about taking on the Christ of uh, the yoke of Christ uh, and, and, and being allowed to be steered in the straight path. It just had so much meaning to me. And and it's just one of those random conversations I never would have uh, thought of before. So, yeah, um, I loved it. Yeah. So uh, Mick as actually has not paid taxes in seven years.
5: Well, we, we need to get Mick on the show and figure out what his secret secret is. Yeah. And and do that and and talk with them. So, Let's do he, that.
1: He he's, he's, he said he'd be willing to come on the show. It's funny I, he, that you jumped on it because, yeah, he said he'd be willing to tell us his, his right. story. He's yep. got have, you know.
5: We need that. We need that. Uh, everybody right, cool. needs that. That's one way to delete the deep state and, uh, you know, the the illegalities illegal. What am I trying to say? Illegalities of what's been going uh, on for decades and decades and generations. So that's what we need. We need Mick on here. So listen out, guys. Excellent. I'm going to check the um, super chats right now. And the rumble rants and what else? The the gold pills. So we have a new follow from Green Phoenix twenty seven over here on um, the super chats. Thank you, Green Phoenix. And there's no matches, but but I understand what you're talking about, right? And also we're at uh, Trusty uh, Trusty Turnip. Oh, and Love by the Moon says, they they say Royal Oak is a city of douchebags now.
1: <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> royal, uh, royal
5: joke. Yeah, Royal royal joke, royal, royal Woke. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Come royal on, Royal Woke. That's yeah, true. Royal Woke, get your stuff together. Come on, we need you.
1: The world's um, largest food court.
5: Exactly, that's awesome. So hey, listen, you guys, uh, thank you guys so much for, you know, I'm checking the Rumble Ranch right now. They're. There's no rumble rants, but um, a lot of likes. Thank you guys for for liking everything. And uh, Steve Camber over there, he says, we need to quarter these bastards. And uh, Cheryl E., she had something to say absolutely abysmal. Um, uh, One friend fired for not taking a jab in the hospital up north. That was from earlier. Uh, That's Cheryl E. again. And uh, uh, Steve Camber, he says, uh, God bless you outcast and your family. So uh, Mm -hmm. you remember Steve. We met him at the event that, that night. So he's got. We got to get him on talking about the Michigan. Michigan's trying to get rid of. There's a group in Michigan trying to get rid of Michigan taxes. How awesome would oh, that man. be if you yeah. guys were able to get rid of taxes, not just here in in, in Michigan, but I'm talking about everywhere. We're worldwide, you guys. Um, there's ways to do these things. Uh, it, we we have to take the blinders off. The blinders are deep. They go way back. You know more than what a lot of us even have come to realize even the deepest of us um, so you know we're just peeling away the, the the layers of the onion so just want to say thank to all you guys everybody out there was listening live um, you know and, and watching us and following us we had a nice nice healthy crowd tonight Outcast. it was fun um, I want to remind you guys go back uh, to the last episode which was Saturday night it was the uh, what a spooky Saturday night that's what it's called I did that at 1030 p.m. Eastern and it went to 1 a.m. It was it was fun. Go check that out. And uh, uh, love by the moon. I think she's able to be a guest, a future guest, maybe in October Outcast, to, so we can okay. actually go deeper in these stories. I asked her to, to email me uh, about that, and so we can connect and do that stuff. And I'll send you all the information. But go listen to that episode. It was a lot of fun. It was late at night, and it was very loose. It didn't have all this graphics here. It just had one graphic that I made separate for that show. Spooky Saturday Night. Um, So, listen, thanks to uh, Dr. or Professor. She's Dr. and Professor, you guys. That's why I keep saying the same thing. Robin McCutcheon, thank you so much for coming on and doing what you're doing again. And all the live viewers out there, you guys, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, of course, the the podcast listeners, you're going to listen to it in your trucks and at your work and on the job and and barbecues whatever it is just share the show we need you guys to share the show and if you guys want to uh, help fund the show like so many people do just go down to our description page right there and you'll see all the different options where you can help support the show you know we're trying to make this a bigger thing we want to go every day I mean it'd be great to do that but we're far from it right now um, but with the help from you guys it, you can make it possible listen do not comply with any of the bullshit they're trying to send you okay read the description tonight's show it's going to, you're gonna be able to reach us from uh, you know with the show notes and all the relevant information. Um, follow us on social media go check out Instagram Truth social gab Rumble Twitter telegram and uh, check out our mailing list to guy uh, you guys may email the show if you have something interesting something you want to hear uh, you know, something that you think that's important for the others to hear. Dangerous Info podcast at protonmail.com And again thanks to to, to listening to the show. I'm Jesse James. he's outcast. And as you go through the week, remember to be bold, stay courageous, and stay alert, all right? Don't fall for the government media complex propaganda. It's coming at you at every level of your life. There's solutions to all this stuff. It's up to you guys to act on those solution ideas. Go way back and start from the beginning of this podcast and listen. We have a lot of good stuff on there. We love you guys. Stay dangerous, my patriot friends. Stay dangerous. The word smart, right? Remember when smart came along? Smart car, smart mm-hmm. phone, smart meter, smart watch, smart everything. People, yeah. you know, I, I, I knew right away when I first heard it, um, it was, you know, SM, SMART. People just think it's smart, like intelligent. It's not, okay? Smart, what it stands for, it's an acronym. Self-monitoring analysis and reporting technology. SMART. I had no idea. I'm going to repeat that again. Self-monitoring analysis and reporting technology. Okay. Wow. What this is.